Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast. Is it not a wonderful Hello. thing? It is, it is. It is, I agree. Someone's conspicuous by their absence. Someone couldn't be asked to be here because someone's too Hollywood for us now. <laughs> he can't handle so my musk. Not many people problem. can handle your musk these days, Jim, I've, I've noticed. It seems to they be a problem. They find it intimidating. Yeah. It, it inflares the senses and fills the nostrils. And, and I mean, Jess just, is a it, sensitive boy. It's true. It flashes us back to, you know, our, our instinctual nature, like evolution. We just get thrown back to previous versions of ourselves. Yeah, and I was going to say, past lives is, is a big problem whenever <laughs> I come into contact with Jim yeah. Sterling. I'm suddenly right? an yeah. ancient Egyptian pharaoh and I'm not really it sure just why. Reminds you. It reminds you of your inferiority, is what I'm saying. Indeed it does. Oh my, oh my. Today's episode of the Co-Optional Podcast is proudly sponsored by Crunchyroll. Yes, it is. <gasps> so thank you to Crunchyroll for sponsoring today's show. I did try a little bit of Gate. I, I decided to watch a few episodes of that. Um, hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that you're making that face because... Hmm. <laughs> I keep talking about how I think that that show wound up so boring. <laughs> I'm glad you're making that face. That, what is eh, this? Sort of this face. is I'm terrible at pop culture. What is this? Game? Oh, there's it's nothing pop about this, but by all means, no, Dodger, go for it. It's about um, it's about a gate that opens up in Japan. It's it's literally just like an ornate gate that just shows up, and uh, sort of a medieval style military comes through to attack our world. And uh, we drive them off because, you know, we have guns. And then everybody is sort of left wondering what to do about this gate because it's still there. And so we wind up going through the gate. And uh, it's it's like a m mashing of worlds military story, basically. Yeah. I do love all night gates. So it, it, it's a nice looking gate. There. Like, it's they, a they very nice it. looking gate. They ruin it by putting a dome over it, but it's a nice looking yeah. gate, nonetheless. I hate domes. You've, you've unsolved me. Yeah. I love I'm gates, hate domes. I'm just trying to figure out kind of where it's going because the whole idea is the, these guys are absolutely no threat to the Japanese self-defense force because they have tanks and yeah. everything else. And they clearly demonstrate that within the first two episodes. I'm thinking, well, the only way this is going to be good is if it actually turns into more of a exploration of the politics of our world versus theirs and the idea that yes. this new world is <laughs> has exploitable resources and i'm kind of getting that vibe from the first few episodes because there's a bit of the hey we are the americans we should go in with our army and take the resources no we are the russians and blah 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 and that seems like there's maybe some of that going on with that but it's not a straight up military thing because well, it's it's complete mismatch. Like, even when it's like, here, here's a bunch of dragons. We have anti-aircraft guns. It doesn't matter. So it's like, <laughs> all right, then. But I'll have to give that yeah. a look. It sounds interesting. It, does it sound might interesting. get going. It might get mm -hmm. going. It's There's a couple of interesting characters in there that might shake things up a bit. There is a character with a scythe who is... I don't, I don't know how to describe her, but she runs around with a scythe and has magical powers and fucking murders everybody. So maybe that might make things more interesting. We'll see. You brought me back. There you yes. go. Love and you can gates, check that out. Hate domes. Love women with scythes. So, True. so this is a very, this is up and this is already an emotional roller coaster for me. On yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can check that out at crunchyroll.com/slash/totalbiscuit for your free 30-day trial. All right. Well, our special guest today is, of course, the one and only. 
master himself, the deity, the possible demigod, as some have described him, Jim fucking Sterling, son. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Now, I, I don't claim to be a deity. I don't claim to be a, a god of any kind. I simply feel that if there is a god, if there is a god, then his or her words flow through me. So I'm not I'm not so arrogant as to say I'm God, merely that I speak for... You're an apostle, any essentially. An apostle, a prophet, a green seer, however you want to phrase it. It's not for me to say that I'm a prophet. It's for everyone else to say at the end yes. of the day. And that's, that's one of the main messages I try and promote through my work. As you should, frankly, as you should. Oh, wow. Next week's guest is hanging around in the chat. <laughs> in fact, you spoke to. We had, a, we had a little show a few days ago where we decided to talk about Let's Play and Metal Gear Solid Five, and uh, myself, Slow Beef, and Jim went on for that one, which was uh, Hello, cool. Slow Beef. Hello. Yeah. Every Hi, time Slow I say Beef. Slow Beef in real life, my wife laughs her head off. She loves his name. <laughs> it is great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I want to know where it came from. I'll be asking that question. Yes, he will, he will be on next week, so we can definitely ask him then. And of course, Dodger is here. Jesse is not. Jesse is not. Guys, I totally bought those Bulma bunny girls. <laughs> oh, Excellent. no. I have Good a Bulma work. problem. Thank you, Jim. Jim was like, you know what? Just do it. Just do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I, I found out. So I have a Bulma problem, for those of you who don't know. I recently got... um the uh bulma riding her capsule bike and it's awesome and i set that up during pre-show actually and then i every time i open up a new bulma figurine i'm like i wonder what other bulma figurines there are i should go look and there's bulma in a bunny girl outfit but there's there's the one in a black bunny girl outfit that's like the normal one that i've seen around but then going on ebay i realized there's also a rare version where she's in a white bunny girl outfit and there was one person who had that and i was like Damn it! I need it. So you need to get it. I you need to get them both. <laughs> I don't. I don't judge anyone for for buying. In fact, when I see people get dragged into the consumerist Thank slime you. along with myself, <laughs> uh, I feel I feel a lot better right? about my own problem. I was totally the person who stood off to the side and watched all of my other friends buy figurines at Anime Expo and stuff, and was like, "God, you're wasting so much of your money." And then one day, I just bought one. And it's been yeah. a really harsh downhill slide since then. Well, I mean, I showed I you guys them. beforehand just the just the problem I have. Yes. Yeah. I so won't even beautiful. tell you how much the dog alien up top cost, but but it, it, it was a lot. And yeah, I mean, I bought an Immortan Joe breather mask just just. For I like noticed that, and I was trying to figure out what. And I can't bring criticism towards either of you because I'm now having to figure out a new storage solution for my Star Trek miniatures. So <laughs> I have eight ships in boxes. Uh, it, it's, it's got really bad because I've actually started to fall down the infinite money well that is uh, what I call collectorception, which is I get the model of the Star Trek ship and then in Star Trek Online, I virtually gamble for the virtual version of that ship that I can now fly around. And I did, I did make my. Uh, I'm in the Reddit guild over there, the Reddit fleets, because you know a lot of people are. And I bought. I think it was. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm a filthy, awful person when it comes to this game. Like I do the things which I know I shouldn't do. No, I have sinned. I. I buy. <laughs> I buy those lock boxes and I open them for the rare chance of something. And after twenty of these things, I unlock this. Uh, this big Crenum Science Dreadnought, which has like 
1% drop rate or something even lower than that, maybe. I'm just like, I I hate myself. I It really is. You, the, the self-loathing you get, like, like, like it, it does not outweigh the pleasure you get from the thing. No, like, the, it doesn't. The loathing is just... I, st- I don't regret any of this. I still don't. <laughs> every now and then you look at it and it just burns. And then you do want to just like, like take a microphone in a crowd and just be like, I have sinned against you. I have pre-ordered a Pip-Boy edition. Yeah. Sorry, I let y'all down. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 30 days since my last pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay, for my me- son. Confess unto me. The way, the way that it branches out for me is I usually wind up focusing on a specific franchise, but especially with anime figurines, it'll always turn out that that, that figurine is part of a series that includes, like, tons of other... So, like, oh, my. Bulma, Bulma on her capsule bike is part of a real McCoy series, and that's an entire series of different anime characters on their vehicles. Right. And I was looking at all of those, and I was like, God, they're all so good. <laughs> I just <laughs> I want all of them. With- had that issue with Namco's stuff, the, um, uh, what are they called? The, the figure arts and the monster arts. Because I love alien stuff. And they did a series of really well-detailed, really well-articulated xenomorphs. Yeah. And I got them. And then I'm like, that predator looks good. Get it. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? That cell and that freezer looks awesome. Now, I've not watched Dragon Ball Z in 15 years. <laughs> but they were really good figures. So yeah. I just, I had to get them. And then... And, and don't get me started on the Funko Pop thing. So they're not, they're not even very good figures, to be honest. But this fucker glows in the dark, right? <laughs> what, am I supposed, what, what am I supposed to do? The fucker glows in the dark. Not a court in the land would convict me. <laughs> I've, I've started, uh, every time we, we drive out and we happen to pass a GameStop, we might kind of swing in because GameStop has started stocking these goddamn mystery figurine boxes uh, that's a bad that's, rabbit hole that is a bad rabbit hole but i got myself a rainer and he's actually uh, pretty good like i mean this is like nine dollars i think that is that's a nice figurine like there's good amount of detail in it but then i bought one from a series of game of thrones ones and i couldn't even fucking tell who he was like it was i was trying to figure out i mean is that hodor is that some i don't actually know if it is or not <laughs> It's like, well, I'm not buying those. those again because they're terrible. Yeah. Like, I have a problem with the blind boxy ones because it's like, there's only ever one Starscream in a Transformers blind box. There's only ever one. And it's like, that's the only one I want. And it's the same with the, the Funko do horror ones. And it's like, just just sh- show me the Xenomorph. I'll buy the Xenomorph. I'll buy your Xenomorph. I'll buy your Starscream. I don't want to run the risk of getting Wheeljack or something. Like some <laughs> sort of idiot. Of so. Yeah. Just disgraceful, it's a li- really. living nightmare. My life when is I bought 10 hell. random Dota 2 plushes, then I'm like, oh, fuck. This is... No. <laughs> this needs to stop immediately. Oh, <laughs> uh, welcome to the Crossroad Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. Let's start by talking about what we've been playing this week. Dodger, what have you been up to this week? Please tell me that you've played... Pretty Girls My Young Battle Royale, whatever I it is. I did. Oh, my God. Last night, I was tr- I tried so hard to beat that game before I went to sleep, but I got too sleepy. So there's, a- there's only five girls in it. Okay, wait. 
let me start from the beginning. So Pretty Girls uh, Mahjong Solitaire uh-huh. is like the shitlord version of Mahjong that Americans know, where it's just a grid of a bunch of tiles and you have to match tiles with each other and then they disappear. Yeah, because you, you got the, the last tiles. one and you couldn't figure out how to play it because it was yeah, the Yeah, it was real Mahjong. Version. And I was like, maybe there will be a tutorial. It's just, just, tutorial is terrible in that game. Like, yeah. just awful. Um, but yeah, Mahjong Solitaire is the sort of Mahjong that comes with PCs typically and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they made Pretty Girls Mahjong Solitaire. And the way that it works is there are five different girls. You start off with only one girl unlocked. Um, it's it's set up in sort of a honey pop style where each Mahjong game is like going on a date, right? So, of course it is. Um, yeah, of course. So the first one, the first dates that you go on are like, this girl looking kind of unimpressed. And then as you do really well at the game, she like starts to smile at you. And uh, each level is in a sequence of three games. So the first two games are her just like, oh, you're actually, you're actually pretty. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of into this. And then the third one, the third one is the girl standing there with a bar above her. God. (laughs) As you connect matching tiles, the bar slowly goes down <laughs> and then it will reveal a different outfit. Now right. at first with the, with your very first dates, right? The outfit is just like, Oh, like a sundress or like a cute costume. And then the last one is always just basically nothing. <laughs> it's like so the sad. smallest bikini in the world. Just I have, I have not heard of a bigger twist since saw. Holy <laughs> crap. I know. You mean the anime girl gets her nutties out? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Who could have expected? If I I could get laid playing Ma Young, I would get, I would have gotten laid exactly the same amount of times as I get laid currently. So. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm trying to figure out like, should I be pitying? I mean, where, where are we going with this? I wasn't sure where I was going with it either. I, I, I went for self-deprecating, but then went into esoteric. Yes. Right, right. Uh, Difficulty-wise, though, the game does get very gradually difficult. It doesn't have, like, a steep curve. Um, It has gotten to a point where it takes me a few tries to actually beat the level. So no curves, takes I... you a few tries and gets progressively harder. Yes, yep. Okay. And I have two girls left to date. And then I'll have beaten the game, I think. I don't know if there's just like a free form playing version of the game that you can do once you've beaten all the girls, dated all the girls, sorry. But um, so far, I mean, it's going pretty fast. So if that's all that the game has to it, then it's not going to take very long. I would expect not. Mm. Is it worth the money? That's the question. How much is it? I that's a remember. that's a even better question. It is, $12? it is twelve dollars at the moment. Nailed it. Uh, look, if you think having a bar of of a girl that slowly lowers down and you get to see uh, like parts of her boobies is worth twelve dollars, then awesome. But otherwise, you could literally play mahjong on Windows. Oh <laughs> my five! It's comes with Windows. <laughs> oh man. So. So yeah, there's that game. I played. Only that slightly depressing that one, but it's a bit Quite better than the last one, though, right? You can actually play this one. I yeah, I don't have to actually know real mahjong in order to play this game. That's a bonus. Yeah, it's a huge bonus. 
Uh, I played Fingered. Did any of you guys play Fingered? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That game is disturbing. Yes. It actually it made me feel dis- bad. I, yeah, it's it a Ed very McMillan disturbing game. game. Huh? It, I, it's an Ed McMillan game. Yes. That and disturbing might as well be the same thing. <laughs> very unique art style for Fingered. Now, uh, I, I, I'm going to ask you to describe the gameplay. It shouldn't take you too long. Oh, it's literally there's a lineup of dudes. You have witnesses who come in and there are keywords that tell you whether they are 100% positive about information they're giving you or if it's sort of like wish-washy, like 50%, 60% possibility that it's correct. Um, you have to build off of that and try to pick the right person out of a lineup. And what I didn't realize when I first started playing this game was once you've fingered the person i.e pointed at them and been like it's you you did it no matter what you electrocute them you execute and them it's yes horrifying every single time it yeah. really is because that he does a little um art piece of them basically really upset like crying and stuff and i'm like oh that oh this is terrible oh god yeah. <laughs> so yeah, i mean for something that's so simple something that is basically guess who it's yes. surprisingly effective at what it does. It's very simple. Um, and, and a lot of people thought that maybe the clues that the game gives you are too vague, but I found it surprisingly well-balanced because I did get the right guy more often than not. So it's like they're, they're deceptively vague because it makes you really tense about getting the right guy. Uh, but you do often pick it up subtly and learn what the clues mean as you go on. And then even though you're worried about getting the wrong guy, getting the right guy is no more pleasant because of the no. aforementioned. Exactly. Uh, yeah. There's you literally, you don't feel victorious ever, whether you got it or not. You're just mm-hmm. like, ah, I just feel like a terrible person. Cause I like killing. This guy. I'm just killing man after man in the name <laughs> of justice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, but I did. Oh shoot. It's on, it's on my computer at home at the end. When you, when you fail enough times, you can put in your name, and then it'll create like a rap sheet for you and show. Yes, yeah, so I I put mine in. Uh, apparently, my my crime is uh, farting in an elevator, but you know, you can put in oh, pretty much I, any name you want. Yeah, I peed all over someplace, and ah, then okay. yeah, and then my uh, my punishment was to serve a thousand years in a porta potty. Oh, something <laughs> real terrible. <laughs> it's. Yeah, and it has a it has a couple of issues. Like uh, one of the clues in particular is like he looked weird. That's all of them, uh, all the time. Yeah, this is McMillan's art style. He um, weird or he looked ugly. It's like what what am I supposed to do with that fingered? Come on, fingered. Yeah, and the game is deliberately designed that at some point you just have to guess, and it, it yeah. admits that. At least it front loads that and says this is not fair. This game is not a fair game. And you know, if that was in any other bigger, more expensive game that wasn't like the cost of a packet of crisps, then you might have reason to be upset yeah, about I mean, that. But it's a, it's a fuck about game at the end yes. of the day. It's, yeah, it's oh, totally. Half an hour worth like of entertainment. It's, yeah, it's one of those. It's hey, we've been working on and talking about eugenics for a really long time. Sorry about that. Here's fingered. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a game we slapped together for lols. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Um. Yeah, what are, how's Mugenics going? When's the last time I they don't talked know. About it was delayed apparently, so because yeah, they had it at PAX like two years ago, didn't they? And it's clearly not done yet. 
No, I think they're they're mostly just working on the afterbirth for Binding of Isaac at the moment, and eugenics has just kind of slipped by the wayside while they're doing more Isaac stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Which is no. fine by me. I mean, I I can't get enough of Isaac anyway, so I uh, know more. Of one of those weird people that just doesn't doesn't get into it. Unfortunately, that's a shame. That is a shame. I've been uh, replaying it on 3DS, even though I have it on everywhere else. I'm one of those idiots who will... But it would be so much more fun on the Fun, 3DS. portable, oh. yeah. Oh, I, I do that, absolutely. I'm pretty sure I own, like, four copies of many games. Like, here's the one on the iPad and on the phone. I definitely own four copies of XCOM. I've got it on the phone, on the <laughs> iPad, like, on one of the consoles and I on PC as well. I did that with This War of Mine. When This War of Mine went on iPad, yeah. I, I, it was an easy buy for me because I... It's the kind of game that works really, really well on a touchscreen. Yep, that's very, very true. Um, so I found a very recent article from August that says that Mugenics is going to go back into development after they're done with Super Meat Boy Forever. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about so, that one. Yeah, so it's on the back burner right now, which makes me sad. I want to breed messed up cats. What is the, the point game. of that game? I, I, I didn't play it. Did you get a Eugenics? chance to play like the preview version or whatever? No, I think, I, I mean, as far as I can tell, it's it's like a messed up genetics game. So right. it's like you trying to breed different cats together to see what sort of cats you can create and just make something horrifying and have it win the cat show. I think that's kind of the idea of the game. Right. <clears throat> okay, then. Hmm. I love. That's what I love about Macmillan. Perfect he game just, he doesn't give a shit. It's right. He just, just makes like the most cat. fucked up shit, and I'll always play it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll always play it. Anytime he makes something, I'm just like, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's do it. Oh my! Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that's a. I am not really looking forward to that game but i'll probably look at it when it arrives sort of situation it's like th this is a were bit weird ever, for me were you ever super into binding of isaac no no definitely God. not um, i could play that game every day i'm that one person got my wife into it um because since it came out on 3ds and she's like you may hear her at some point during the recording just shouting fuck because <laughs> Because she'll get near mom and gets trampled to death or something. But yeah, yep. I've been getting back My into life. it, which is bad for me because I, I broke out of it and then I got sucked back in. And it was so fun to play Rebirth after not playing Isaac mm -hmm. for a long time and just be like, oh, God, they've added so much and it looks so nice. And I just, oh, bleh, it's great. <laughs> Love that shit. Uh, okay, but... Another game that I played is Shadowrun Hong Kong. Ah, uh, yes. that That's standalone, that? right? That's not an it expansion. Is, yes. It's not an expansion. It's not DLC. It's a standalone game. Mm -hmm. um, I have never played a Shadowrun game before. And I can say as a person who has never played a Shadowrun game before, um, they do not explain what you are supposed to do very well. I think there's an assumption there that you are playing this as a seasoned Shadowrun player. Like, they they give you sort of a tutorial, but it's a little bit flimsy. Um, I could tell, and I, I know this wasn't just Twitch chat being Twitch chat. I could tell that the majority of chat was just like, oh my god, this game did not tell you enough about, like, the battle mechanics and how you need to be coming at this. Mm. Um, because there were just ways, and it, this was me playing XCOM too, though. Like, those sort of games... With that, with that 
view type and you just like coming up and hiding behind stuff and shooting and hiding behind stuff like I'm not great at those uh so that didn't help but I did I did feel like I wasn't entirely sure of what to do but the story man the story is like super cool so far I'm I'm actually like really interested to see where it goes and I think that the aesthetic of it like the way that they did the colors and everything lots of neon y'all Lots oh of yeah, neon yeah, very very cyberpunk very cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The uh, the strength of the the first one. Well, I say the first one. You know, Shadowrun Returns was not its not its battle mechanics. It was its storytelling, and then they did uh, uh, Dragons, whatever it is, Dragons Teeth, maybe Dragon. I, I can't remember the name of it. Whatever the expansion was, which was basically mm-hmm. better in every single way than Shadowrun Returns. Now, that was fantastic as well, but the storytelling's always been the the big thing, and the great mix of fantasy and cyberpunk was very unique right. and worked really, really well. So I, when I get the time, I'll definitely play this one, no doubt, because a lot of people are saying, yep, it's it's better than all the others. Go for it. Yeah, I, uh, I've been in a... One of one of JP's role play games, Mirror Shades, is a Shadowrun game, and that's the one mm. that we've been playing for a long time. And I can't tell. There are things about the world as well. I was thinking about this later. There are things about the world and like the different types of people you can be and things like that that aren't explained at all either. And the only reason I know what they are is because I've been playing that other game. So I was wondering if that would be another thing that's sort of off-putting to somebody. If they know nothing about the world, just kind of hopping into Shadowrun Hong Kong, I think that it would feel a little daunting, like you're being thrown in the deep end. I think so. I think that's actually the case with all of the Shadowrun games. The main problem with Shadowrun is, of course, it's had a really checkered past when it came to video games. Because, of course, I have no doubt everyone remembers the wonderful Shadowrun on Xbox 360 that was a first-person shooter which had basically nothing to do with it. And it also experimented with the wonderful idea of uh, PC and 360 cross-platform multiplayer. Uh, and then they rapidly realized why that was a terrible idea because the PC guys were just destroying the console guys. Because it's an FPS! They have a mouse and keyboard. Of course they're going to. I always but, smile yeah. when I remember that one. It's it's my fondest Shadowrun memory. The, oh, the Xbox my. 360 Shadowrun. Oh, great days. Great days. Yes. <laughs> feel like there was no shadow on an xbox yes i know i keep telling yourself that and i understand why you would think that it was it, the it... only shadow run game oh, no, yeah. boo. there was that one on the super nintendo and the sega mega drive i think as well and it, it it's been a bit bit of a strange road for shadow run but it, it does seem like it's definitely getting back on the horse you know, returns was okay it was pretty good it, it it was a bit threadbare in places but it was all right then dragonfall was fantastic and sounds like Hong Kong's pretty good too. So I'm looking forward to giving that a bash when I get the chance. I've been wanting to get into like reading the books because I think mm. the Shadowrun world is really, really fascinating, oh, yeah, but I have yeah. no idea where to start with those books. <laughs> like, I there's so many. Not a clue. I was never into the pen and paper. I'd heard of it in passing. You know, there was reverent whispers when it came right. to that particular series, but it's I... sort of, the the pen and paper is sort of convoluted. Like we're playing one e specifically because it gives a better picture of like what the eighties believed the future would be like. You know, because oh, okay. like the yeah. the more recent Shadowrun sort of pull from modern technology, um, whereas the one e book is just like oh it's it's just 
trash and I love it. <laughs> so, but yeah, but the the rules I think are much more convoluted than like Dungeons and Dragons is. Mm, yeah, I, I can see why the retro aspect of it would be kind of fun, I think, you know, rather than updating it to modern technology. That would mm. be kind of great. Sorry, I've got nowhere else to go with that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah Shadowrun Hong Kong. Shadowrun. It's all right. Story is fantastic. It's it's much like um, Pillars of Eternity or any other game like that, where it's yeah. it's about the story. You do a lot of reading. The characters are fantastic, um, and and it's it's really fun. But it's mostly reading. Feels like you're playing a book, basically. Mm-hmm. So. Fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, let's let's swap to somebody else because I'm trying to remember what else I've played. All right, Mr. Jim Sterling, what have you been playing this week? What's been going on? Well, while Dodger's been playing a book, I've been playing a movie. I've Perfect. been playing Until Dawn. <gasps> Until the... Dawn, yes. Until okay. Dawn, uh, Supermassive's PS4 interactive horror movie. That's that's what it is. It's it's also bloody superb, as far as I'm concerned. It will not be to everyone's taste, but. As someone who is a, a big horror fan anyway, especially sort of the really the real cheese source late nineties, early two thousands horror movies that Until Dawn emulates, I just I love it. Like it's a kind of if this were a movie, this is the kind of thing that Sarah Michelle Geller would have starred in right after Buffy had finished. Like it's and it, it, they nail it so perfectly. Like all of the tropes, the horny teenagers out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. the perfect kind of slasher guy that comes up the perfect relationships between all the characters. They're all stereotypes. They're all unbearable, but yeah, in a way that makes sense. Be. In a way, yeah, exactly. In a way that you, you're you okay with it. Uh, Peter Stormare's in it and is just godly. Like, you know, David Cage can have Willem Dafoe, um, but Peter Stormare overacting his heart out uh, with terribly creepy, uncanny valley facial animations first person just staring at you being Peter Stonehead, just just being all this, I want you to tell me what you see when you look at these pictures and be honest. And then he's just, just his mouth just twitching all over the place because that's what they do in those games to show you that their animation's so awesome. <laughs> um, so you've just got this twitching, spasming Peter Stonehead shouting at you and it's wonderful. Um, the game itself, uh, I basically said out Quantic Dreams, Quantic Dream. Uh, right. It's everything David Cage wished he'd have made. Uh, the story actually makes sense. It's as ridiculous as something like Fahrenheit or Heavy Rain, but given the nature of the films they're copying, it's good that it makes uh, as little sense as it does. It makes sense that it makes so little sense. Um, they pull a hole in uh, from Dust Till Dawn thing um, partway through that works just so well, and it's so confident in what it's doing. Like It, it pours the cheese sauce on everything, and doesn't care. It's so shameless. And I can respect that. It's why I like Waterworld as a movie. Uh, because it knows it's being ridiculous and just says, just just go with us on this. And if you let yourself go in on it, then it's just uh, a, a great ride with real consequences. Unlike, you know, I've got much respect for your Telltale games and all this. I love Telltale's work. But here, the consequences really do matter. The decisions you make have an effect. Something as simple as deciding who gets a flare gun in the game can determine whether someone lives or dies later on, whether someone has the tools they need to fight off an attacker. Uh, Where you may place a baseball bat in a room could give you something later on to help. Uh, Whether you'll 
nice to an animal or not can help. Uh, these consequences come up, and they actually have a menu called the Butterfly Effect menu uh, that details all of these different turning points in the story. And after an event triggers, after the butterfly flaps its metaphorical wings and the hurricane happens, it tells you where that happened, where the split in the story came. And it's just, it's very cleverly structured. You can tell I like this. I, I, yeah. I could just bang on about it. I could spend the next two hours, but I'll stop there for the moment. But How yeah. how does it play exactly? Because I'm not 100% familiar with Until Dawn. I haven't heard a great deal about it up to this point. I was kind of skipping over it because like, oh, it's a horror game. I'm probably not going to be interested. But more I hear about it, the more that sounds like something that would actually be my bag. So you know, how do you play it exactly? How do the mechanics work? Well, it is very similar to a, a Quantic Dream game. You know, okay. it, it has a lot of heavy shades of interactive movie. Uh, there are moments where you do a lot of walking and exploring, and they, they're pretty useful because you can pick up clues and find little totems in the environment that give you flashes of the future mm. that will give you clues as to what the the good uh, the best decision might be. Yeah. Or you might even see a character die, and then you're like, shit, how the hell do I avoid this? Because uh, anyone can die, and you can end the game with any combination of characters alive or dead. And... So yeah, there's a lot of that walking exploration. Um, there is a lot of uh, Telltale-esque dialogue choices. They're very streamlined. It's more or less like, do you confront someone about this or do you not confront someone? Do you take this thing? Do you not take this thing? And it branches the paths and it kind of splinters more and more as you go on. Uh, there's a lot is of. Is it a QT short game? Uh, I want to say it's about like I never stopped watch myself, but uh, I want to say I know someone streamed the whole thing recently and they came in about five hours. Right. Uh, with um, a lot of potential replay if you want to... Yeah, once it you, like it's got a lot of replayability in it. Yeah. yeah, once you beat the game, you can play any episode again and make different choices to see what happens. And, you know, there are various QTEs in there. Some of them are like your Beyond Two Souls where you could just put your hand off the controller and they'll, they'll fail but just trip a bit and it won't change much. But there are some, and this is where it keeps you on your toes, some where it will be life and death. So you never know what's actually going to work and what's not. I called the game's bluff once and ended up with two thumbs pushed through the character's eyes. Uh, so it is very, um, very nerve-wracking. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I really love it. It's especially good if you know horror tropes, if you know how horror, if you know the rules of horror. For example, if you're in a group of people and you hear a suspicious noise and get the opportunity to break away from the group without telling them and go explore on, on your own, maybe don't do that if you've watched any horror movie in the last 20 or 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Like, I, I did it just to see what happened and then what happened happened. I won't give it away, but what happened happened and then I was like, ah, yes, I a classic goof <laughs> on my part. <laughs> It does sound fun, and it's out today, if I recall correctly, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's mm. out today. I might pick that one up. Um, yep, did a review on thegymquisition.com. If, if, if there are people still alive in the world who like to read words, uh, I have <laughs> I have the written words. Uh, so I played that, played Gears of War Ultimate Edition. It's Gears of War, but a bit more ultimate, so good for them. Uh, I do question having an Ultimate Edition that then also has a deluxe edition of the Ultimate Edition. <laughs> Ult deluxe me. Ultimate Mega Super yeah. Hypercharged Edition. Yeah, right. it's like, this is, I, I, you know, it's Ultimate. I'm not going to deny it's Ultimate, Microsoft, but this is clearly less Ultimate than the other Ultimate thing you're doing because that, by definition, is more Ultimate because it's deluxe Ultimate. Maybe don't call it Ultimate. 
especially if you've got GameStop pre-order bonuses, that's not very ultimate. It's it's middlingly middlingly ultimate, and that's that's not ultimate. It's not. It's still a good game though. People it's okay because they got to rehash the Mad World trailer again. They did. <laughs> they did. Um, I, I thought that was a nice touch. It was it was simpering, but it was a nice touch. Um, but yeah, the multiplayer is still uh, rolling around with shotguns, which right. which I don't like. Uh, not because I'm bad with the shotgun. It might be because I'm bad with the shotgun, but <laughs> but more to the point, I always felt the way the whole thing came uh, came about with the shotguns because I know it's still a contentious thing even to this day. It's got its defenders, got its detractors, but its its influence on the game is a failure of the multiplayer aspect of Gears of War because Gears of War is supposed to be a cover-based shooter and the shotgun turns it into a cover-based shooter in which cover-based shooting gets you killed. Once you stick to a wall, once some prick rolls up to you, presses a button and makes you explode into stakes, like, it's, it's over. And you think, why the hell am I playing the game as intended like a chump? Uh, so it, it did always let it down for me, and, and that's a shame because I used to love the hell out of it, but now everyone knows the shotgun thing, so now everyone's doing it, just rolling, tumbling, and blasting like genocidal circus clowns. That does not in any way sound enjoyable. Uh, not not really <laughs> keen on that. Although I will pick it up to play the campaign because it is now 60 frames, so that's going to yep. be Unle- decent fun. Unless it's in co-op, which disappointed me. It drops it back down. Well, maybe on PC it'll be huh. 60 with co-op as well, because I know they're doing a PC Probably. version, and mm. uh, okay, the Xbox can't handle it or whatever. I'm not sure if it's a Windows 10 exclusive. Like I heard that it was just going to be Windows Store. I know there's no pre-order option on Steam, which is unusual for something that uh, yeah. that that popular, I suppose. But yeah, it does seem like it's probably going to be one of those Windows 10 Windows Store games. <sighs> So, I mean, I need to upgrade at some point. I'm planning on dual booting because I don't trust it to, you know, not fuck with my work in some way. It will. Something will happen, I can guarantee. But I it's going to be a pain had, to do that. I had no problems. I, I upgraded to Windows 10, um, like, I want to say two weeks back, and was surprised that my computer didn't explode or my eyes didn't melt out of my skull. Uh, it, it actually worked out rather well, quick and easy, and and I guess I was one of the lucky ones. Yeah, some some people have said that, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Now, there's been a lot of stuff about Windows 10 that's kind of been blown out of proportion. And it's like, oh, there's ads and this, and uh, I know there was the solitaire thing that people, some <laughs> people were upset. So, I haven't read or heard really anything about Windows 10. Solitaire thing makes me laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm in two minds about that one because everyone was kind of getting up in arms about the fact that there were, I think, microtransactions or ads in part of Solitaire. But How I say part of Solitaire. How do you do that? What That's not is real. It's pre-installed on Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Now, they did this in Windows 8, to be fair. That doesn't make it any better, but people always point it out as if it makes it better. Um, but people noticed it now because it is pre-installed rather than Windows 8. But Solitaire's pre-installed, uh, along with one of those fucking Candy Crush games, and it has ads on it. Uh, you know, runs ads, etc., etc. And you can pay Microsoft a subscription fee, oh. a yearly stipend, to have the ads removed. 
which on its own, I can see people not being too bothered with it. But at the same time, it really is a, a fairly dismal look at where OSs are going, uh, where we will end up with, with basically the free-to-play version of Windows, which essentially, I mean, Windows 10 is, is kind of an exploration of that. And I, I'm worried about the day where you've got to, got to keep buying micro... They'll bring back Microsoft points and you spend them to use oh, the God. calculator. Like, that's what I'm worried about, the, the, the end game of this. Yeah, what what I heard about it, and I bear in mind I have not upgraded to Windows 10 yet, so I'd have to look at it yeah. myself. But my understanding is that the ads and the bullshit are only in the extra modes, which are not the default solitaire things. Right. So if you want to play the same solitaire that you got with Windows 7 and Windows 95, you can without any issue. But if you wish to dive into the other modes, the new stuff that they've added, then they add support that. I think the bigger problem I've got with it is what Microsoft is doing at the moment is they're selling software as a service, which in some ways is okay. Like I pay Adobe $20 a month for all the Master Suite stuff. That's fucking fantastic because before that I was paying like upwards of $1,000 to get Premiere. And then it's like, oh, we're going to upgrade. Like, no, no, don't upgrade. That's going to cost me another God knows what. So I know a lot of YouTubers now are just subscribed to Adobe. Because it's much easier. You know, you get the cloud-supported updates. You get all the software you need. And even the stuff that, like, I would barely use, like After Effects, maybe once in a blue moon, I actually do need After Effects. And I have access to it now because of the subscription. But having an operating system as a service, that's where things start to get a little bit iffy because they have a motivation to start to sell you things through the OS and to start to reduce the amount of customization that you would have. And you'd end up turning into iOS at that point where you have like, oh, newsstand can't be removed because we really want to sell you magazines. Or you, know, you can't, for instance, you can't rent an Amazon movie on an iPad. You have to rent it on the website and then view it that way. If You can't do it through the app because Apple won't let you because yeah. it's competing with iTunes. So they wouldn't want that. Well, and the very word service uh, is starting yeah. to make my skin crawl. And it shouldn't. Service is a good word. You'd think it so, a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can be a euphemism for doing a sex on a person. That's great. <laughs> I love the word service, but especially things like the term games as service and oh. how so many companies have used it as an excuse to not actually service, as an excuse to force uh, the SimCity, of course, more famously, to be online all the time when it didn't need to be. But it uh, did. They, but they said it needed to be online. You, you believe them, right? wouldn't lie to us. No, oh, you believe them. I feel them? so betrayed. Oh, I, tr I trusted them with my life savings, and they said they'd look after them. Fuck it, anyway. Um, sorry, I'm getting warmed up for Konami later. We, 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 um, we, sent, we sent them our seed. We sent them our seed money, and yeah, uh, we expected blessings to come unto us, and they did not. Indeed. Um, <laughs> not I like that. What I was saying. Um, <laughs> Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. That's the first time someone beat me to it. So there you money. go. I get it. It's we're like we're kids, professionals it? when it comes yeah. to this stuff. Right. You've got to be on the ball on this show. But yeah, the whole idea of, of service, especially when, you know, they, they demand that we be the ones be online all the time to play mm -hmm. a game like Assassin's Creed. They demand we use something like Uplay for Ubisoft to, to play something like fucking zombie doesn't even have an online mode anymore. I try and play zombie and I've got to register it with Uplay, and I can't because Uplay servers are down. So I can't get into the game. 
or SimCity where people couldn't play it because the online mode didn't work. And you call this a service and you're not serving us. And as far as I'm concerned, and I don't care how many people are playing your goddamn fucking game, I don't care whether your servers are in trouble or not, you've demanded we be always online. I think it's very fair to demand that you always be online. You know, yeah. do the, hold yourself to the standards you're holding your own fucking customers to, please. That would be nice. It, it really would. And they, they are never, ever online when you need them. And don't even start on fucking Uplay because I've had my Uplay account hijacked three times. Three times. I barely ever use that damn thing. You know, want to know how many times my Steam account has been saying? hijacked? You know, my super valuable Steam account? Zero in ten fucking Same. years. You know? <laughs> You play though. I log on every now and again. I find my avatar's been changed. My name's in Russian, and someone's playing fucking Need for Speed. Well, not Need for Speed because that's EA. Playing uh, that other game that's rubbish, the racing game, the Crew. Yes, they're the playing crew. the Crew. It's always the fucking Crew. What is it with Russian hackers and the Crew? I don't know, <laughs> but apparently they fucking love it. You know, they can have it. They can have it. The Crew is terrible. Russia, you oh, want absolutely. the Crew? You you go do it. You want to drive around a fucking town? still finding radio towers like you're playing Assassin's <laughs> fucking Creed because every game Ubisoft does is apparently the same Get a tower. thing. Like, I made a joke. Like, I, I coined the term Ubisofted, which is where you make fun of Ubisoft for something only to find out Ubisoft's already fucking done, done it. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I made this joke about how the crew is going to make you drive up radio towers to open yes. bits of the map, and straight away people on Twitter are like, Jim, they've already fucking done it, mate. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, the, the the only thing then, if they were as consistent running Uplay as they are with radio fucking towers, then Uplay would probably be a decent friggin' service. But it, it really cheeses my onions that I've get, I get something that's being sold on Steam and I have to go over to fucking Uplay only for it to be told, sorry, our service are down. Uh, you can check back later or alternatively, you can go fuck yourself because we're Ubisoft and we don't give a damn. You play more like you don't play. Yes, Dodger. <laughs> sorry. Cheeses my onions a thing? Is yes. that a thing people say? Well, it's sort something of, yes. I'm trying to make a thing, like like Microsoft and Bing. It 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 would be a reference to cheese and onion crisps, the very popular flavor in the UK. So ah. it is kind of a thing. I was literally imagining somebody being like, "Man, I've got my bowl of onions ready, but you know what'll really push this to an 11? Some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like a thing that you guys eat. Just like, yeah, my oh, I had a cheese and, and onion omelet this morning. It was brilliant. Fucking onions. Ugh. Onions. You onions. Like onions? Whoa. I hate onions. Disgusting. What? what about mushrooms? I can deal with mushrooms because okay. mushrooms are like. We're okay, then. Mushrooms are like lazy meat. You know? <laughs> True. It's right? Like, yeah. We're sort of meat. It, we're kind mushrooms of. Mushrooms are meat that has not committed to being meat. Exactly. You know, they don't really put in a lot of effort. They're, they're still in that f the formative years of their life. They right. haven't really decided what they want to do with the rest of their Eventually existence they'll on grow this up earth. to be baby cows. I imagine them all sounding like yet. Eeyore. Just, I guess I'll get in the soup. I suppose. <laughs> oh, poor eel mushrooms. But they're all right. They're all right. But onions, oh, onions are the worst. Onion. Onions, garlic. Garlic, garlic's wonderful. <laughs> garlic's wonderful. Onions make me gag. I hate them. I, I can't. think it to yeah. myself. I'm already repellent to men and women. I might as well eat onion and garlic. <laughs> I might just live life to the max at this point. <laughs> I went on like a people. really, really fancy date not too long ago. 
and we got this platter that just looked gorgeous and there were all of these little white things all over the place and we were like what are those what is that is that garlic and i was like i'll find out and i just ate one and it was an entire clove of garlic really it really put put the cherry on top of the date that's a that's a palate cleanser for you and it it really (laughs) it just made me more appealing than maybe ever before so eat your garlic everybody absolutely and not your onions if it makes you gag. Yeah. All TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love onions. I, I love onions. Yeah, I'll use a bit I of onion to... powder in my cooking because I realize the the flavor of what it does is kind of vital to many dishes, but I fucking despise onions. So, like, I'll put a little bit of onion powder in there and a bit of garlic. That's okay. But anything past that, no. Onions are, are the worst. They are the devil. Absolutely I once invented not. the sterling onion sandwich. Now, okay. Now, before I was gainfully employed... I was a piece of shit. So I invented <laughs> foods for myself. Now, right. the sterling onion sandwich. Now, this this is a recipe I'm going to pass down through the generations. Uh, it's two slices of white bread with butter on and then just a load of raw onion in that. Oh, God. Uh, it's fantastic. It's no. lazy, unemployed, and a piece of shit. <laughs> it's <laughs> that it's is quick. Graceful. You've already got no self-esteem. Uh, <laughs> you've been living in your mum's house so long, uh, secluded, that you get weird paranoid delusional fantasies that the water tank's going to fall through the ceiling and crush you to death, uh, which happened to me for a while. This is oddly specific. <laughs> I, went, I went mad for a period of two years. Ah, okay. Um, and, and was eating onion sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they, the two are related in some way. I'm not probably, sure. Probably. Onions are responsible for everything that ever happened to you that was bad in your life. It was around that time that I invented um, sterling bean pasta, which I still think is really good, but my wife says is disgusting. Well, I assume uh, it's pasta with beans in it, right? It's just baked beans mixed up with some pasta. And, That's and a student food, that brilliant. is. I think yeah. it's brilliant, but she thinks it's disgusting. And then on my, my last day of the flat, someone made me baked beans with a chocolate Swiss roll in the middle of it for a joke, mm. and I ate it. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> it makes you feel better, TB. I can't. I still really, really hate um, mashed yams or mashed sweet potatoes. That makes me want to die. I'm I'll not, eat like not regular sweet potato fries. I'm like, okay with they're not my favorite. But like if it's mashed up, I don't care how much fucking sugar or maple syrup you put in there to try and make it taste good. I literally sat at the dinner table until it was bedtime when I was a kid because my mom was like, you're not getting up until oh, you eat you sweet one of potatoes. Those. And I was like, yeah. I just sat there because anytime I tried to eat them, I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> like I couldn't. <laughs> that, that was me with onions growing up. Like, and it, it caused no end of problems with my dad. Like, I'm pretty sure it almost broke up the family at one point. <laughs> and we'd argue because he would insist that something did not have onions in it, but I knew it. I knew they were there. I could see them. I could taste them. They were there, and he lied. It's like, no, that's just shredded potato. No, those are onions, Dad. Like, I'm not an idiot. Do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think that low of your firstborn? Is that the problem here? (laughs) What kind of moron would it be that could not notice onions in their food? Uh, so we we would have we would have a few arguments. Like trying like. to put a pill in like bacon for a dog. Like it's exactly what it is. He tried to hide <laughs> onions in the food. Like I know they're there. Um, Sam's grandma makes chocolate cake all the time, and they're always like, "No, Sam, it's just chocolate cake." 
and he'll it's always just sniff it and be like, there's fucking banana in that kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, he hates bananas so much. And they're always like, no, Sam, there's not, it's just chocolate cake. And he's like, I can smell it. It's in there. I know it's in there. You I can I, tell you. My stepkid is like the fussiest eater. Like, like to the point where he'll eat one food until he gets sick of it. And then he'll eat no food. And we're like, are, are you supposed to just starve? Like, is that the rule now? Is that what happens? You've, you've like, you discovered it. How old is he? He's um 12 now. Oh, that's and exactly the same age as my stepkid that does exactly the same damn thing. It's yes, you so have. fucking fussy. And, and I decided once, right, I'm going to get him to eat this deviled egg. I'm going to get him to eat this deviled that's egg. That's a brave thing. I was like... It becomes a matter of is... pride at that point. Yeah. So I was like, have some of this. This is candy. <laughs> 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 and he fell for it. And I will never trust you again. Obviously an egg. (laughs) He was a lot younger and impulsive. And of course, if you tell a kid there's candy, they're just going to go, oh. So I'm like, this is what I should do from now on. Just, just, just have this. This is called a deviled egg. But don't worry. It's not an egg. Uh, It's, it's definitely, definitely like, like it's a new Jolly Rancher. Have some of that. (laughs) I'll spat it straight out. But I won. I won that. I won that one. He ate a deviled egg. I love deviled eggs. I need to get some deviled eggs. I was gonna say I could go for deviled eggs right now. Mm. They smell so so bad. When I discovered Thanksgiving in this country, Uh that you guys do some weird shit. Like yams. I mean yams. They don't. They shouldn't be food for one thing. Again. Right? Yeah. Fuck yams. They're gross. And also, you know, (laughs) fuck fuck sweet potatoes. Like potatoes are not supposed to be sweet. What? No sweet potatoes, what the hell? It's like, let's ruin food by putting something which is sweet with all this other delicious savory thing. And, ru- I mean, come on. Mashed potato, one of the best things in the world. Chips, mm-hmm. one of the best things in the world. How could we ruin them? Use the wrong kind of potato. Because fuck you, we are America. We'll do what we want, damn it. We like colorful food here. Have you it's had green sweet. bean casserole yet? Yes, it's awful. It's what? Oh my god, it's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. I, I know oh. some people put marshmallows on the top of it. What are you doing? Like, it's, oh, I guess it's a very southern of, thing. On the top of sweet potatoes. Uh, is it sweet potatoes on, they put that on? on the top I, of green bean casserole, unless you're a monster. I was gonna say, I think there might be some monsters around here. We are in the south, after all. That's so. true. They'll put they'll Get put marshmallows on anything. Like it's too sweet. Like I can't, I can't handle. I can't eat bread in this country. Because they, yes. they just inject corn syrup into it. Yeah, there is one kind of bread that's okay. Nature's own sugar-free uh, of uh, wheat bread. So mm-hmm. they. Oh yeah, I've had the nature's own. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's edible. It's but when I went home, I got it. The first thing I did. You want to know the first thing I did? I, I went to the toaster. It's it's an old decrepit thing. The handle's fallen off this. Like. If you you got to be dedicated to make toast in this toaster because the handle's gone off it, so there's nothing but a sharp piece of metal. So <laughs> if you, you got to really want toast, and in goes two bits of Hovis, bam, cut my finger open, delicious. Just, <laughs> okay, that's kind of a night veil toaster. You've just got to bleed on it to get it to work. I kind of like that. Yeah, um, I was expecting yeah, to so... be questioned by the Benny Jesserit at any moment. <laughs> There's I have to go down Fresh you. Market. There's there's a mm. place called Fresh Market down there, uh, the next town over. If I want bread, I have to go there and feel just just feel like a like like the the walking embodiment of privilege as I walk around this 
these grocery it's an upjump grocery that plays classical music through the thing all the ah, it's one of those go there okay and I, i'm just there with my basket just putting french batards in in the trolley <laughs> just just thinking this is great i'm gonna go home and eat all this bread and feel terrible terrible but it'll yeah. be worth it because um, it's the only bread i get anymore like i i'd be great at the atkins diet if if, if i had any discipline but I don't. So I'm going to go down Freshmount and get some bread and deviled eggs, son. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm basically a Scott Pilgrim when I say bread makes you fat. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but it's so delicious. I was told it was healthy when I was growing up. It's wholemeal. It's got to be good, right? Hovis told me. They wouldn't lie to me. Hovis yeah. wouldn't lie. They're not I EA. trusted them. <laughs> You're okay, EA, why don't right? we... Yeah, why don't we take a break? Then we'll come back. We'll talk. We'll try and talk about the games we've been playing this week. Or we could get down to onions. I don't know. Jesse's gone. It's the balance. It's the a free for all in here. Who I was going to say, you know, kept it all together. We're supposed to be balancing our humors, and everything's gone horribly wrong now that we have lost the prime humor. I'm afraid. We'll be right back after the break. Please watch this ad from our sponsor, CrunchyRoll.com/TotalBiscuit. We will be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Hmm, let me see. Sushi and go-go. Japan buffet. Crunchyroll. One of these things is not like the other. Well, I'm ordering from Crunchyroll. It sounds delicious. Oh, it is. Just not in the way that you think. Crunchyroll is a service where you can stream all the anime you want in HD for one low price. Well, this isn't going to sate my hunger at all. Yeah, but you know what will? Food Wars! This comical anime was created when a former hentai artist decided to make a story about food. Food so good, it makes the customer's clothes fly off. You're only succeeding in making me even hungrier. Hungry for high quality anime, no doubt. How about Gintama? A long running series that makes fun of pop culture and anime in general. It's about a bunch of samurai dealing with an alien invasion. Look, honestly, all I wanted was some chicken teriyaki. Well, what about Nisekoi? It's a harem anime about a guy with a locket who's looking for the girl who has the key, but spoiler, like every girl on the show has a key for some goddamn reason. Dodger, there's this manic look in your eyes and it's freaking me out. Please, just let me order dinner. Dinner? Who needs food when you can have an all-you-can-eat buffet of anime? Crunchyroll is a destination for the most authentic anime experience you can find outside of Japan. They offer the largest, most diverse collection of anime series straight from the source. You can sign up and try out Crunchyroll Premium for 30 days free at crunchyroll.com slash totalbiscuit. If I sign up, will you stop blocking the door and, I don't know, let me find a sandwich or something? Oh, TB, you're so sundere. What is that? Can I eat it? Crunchyroll, get all the anime you could ever want with over 25,000 episodes available to stream in 1080p on almost any device. Sign up for your 30-day free premium trial at crunchyroll.com slash totalbiscuit. Please just do what she says. She won't let me leave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. All right, let's get back on to discussing video games. I... I I, I don't really want to talk about Hearthstone because I know none of you give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You'll literally be talking to yourself. Is but the, the new expansion's <laughs> out. It's, it has got new cards. How did, how did That's the one of them then new Mopas, isn't it? I hate you so much. Don't start with me. <laughs> how did the pack off with Krendor go, though? It, it actually worked this time, which is significantly Good. better than the last time we tried it. So... Those who don't know, whenever there's a new expansion release, myself and Krendor compete to see who can get the entire set the quickest. It's essentially a 
vulgar display of internet wealth. Uh, that That's what it's for. And we open as many packs as we can. Now, the last time we tried this, the servers crashed over and over and over again. So it wasn't really an option. This time around, the first 30 minutes the packs would randomly take 10 seconds to open. But for some reason, whenever you opened a pack with an epic card in it, it would be really fast. Which, to me, smells like Blizzard's new pay-to-win model. So it's like you, you need to buy the the much better packs in order to make that work. But it it worked out pretty well. You know, we event, we uh, opened a just obscene number of packs and eventually got everything. And then we played uh, a legendary versus legendary battle, which was pretty good. And we had a lot of fun with that. But uh, Hearthstone is a game that gets stale quite easily if you, weirdly enough, if you have too many options, it gets stale. Because it's a collectible card game. And right. the whole point of a collectible card game is to collect. And that's what keeps a lot of people playing. They earn the gold, they get another pack. They get the excitement of opening that pack. They maybe get a bit more dust, which they can use to craft a new card. Or maybe they get a new epic card or whatever to put in their deck. And then they get to to explore that way and it's 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 a play style that kind of evolves over time based on the cards you get but some of us that kind of do this now for more you know, just for the sake of business more so than anything else will get all of the cards and that collection aspect ceases to be a factor and when that collection aspect ceases to be a factor it comes down to well how fun is the game when you have absolutely everything and the answer is it can be fun for a while but it's also a game that really punishes you for being creative sometimes. You want to try something yeah. really crazy and wacky, but the way that most people have to play is they have to work towards a particular deck that they know is good because that's the way they're going to earn the most gold to get more cards. So they will play what's good in the meta. You want to play something wacky and crazy that's probably not good in the meta and you get just destroyed as a result over and over and over again. So it becomes more of a case of trying to figure out what wacky thing can I make that also sort of works against the decks that people are currently using? And more often than not, you don't come up with an answer to that because people are way smarter than you and they've already figured out what the optimal decks are. So I mean, it's it's going to be fun, certainly, for a couple of months for me, no doubt about that. I'll go back into Arena and play more because whenever you add more cards in, the Arena always becomes crazy. And I'm trying out a whole bunch of new stuff. But... Ultimately, it, it will probably get boring for me after a couple of months. What I will say is it's good, for, uh, especially good for people that uh, don't all, all own all the cards. Now, at the end of every season, they give you a chest that is based on your rank. So the higher you get in the in the ladder, you, the better chest you get. And it gives you free shit at the end of every... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because before that, it was just you get a card back if you get to rank 20, which anybody can do. Now, it's, oh, you get a card back at rank 20, but the higher your rank goes the better chest you get, and it's full of goodies and, you know, new cards and things like that. So that was smart. That was a very smart thing for them to do. But, you know, if you want the whole collection, I mean, I think me and uh, Krendor probably spent over $300 to get the whole new expansion. Fuck. Nope. That's card games for you. You know, you know what's funny? That's a is... deck in Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I remember before we got any new card packs... And uh, both you and Krendor were saying, you know, if they if they really want to compete and have this be a card game that people continue to be invested in and continue to play and have the meta develop, they're going to need to, you know, pretty routinely put out new cards. Yes. And now that they're routinely putting out new cards, all I ever hear from people is there's too many cards now. 
Like there's no way that I'll ever catch up. There's like, there's too many options. It's not, and I don't like, what's, what's the midpoint of that? Like between those two opinions. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation because I was reading very similar things. And every time a new expansion comes out, there's always a lot of posts, and they're not wrong. These people that say this sort of stuff that it's a free to play game and it's a free to play collectible card game, and collectible card games in general have a very large price tag attached to them over time. If you really want to be super competitive and have a lot of options, you can get a competitive deck for cheap. Now you what you don't have to grind too much to get them. It depends on what the meta is like right now. Oh, at the moment, there is no meta because they've just released a new expansion, so everything's up in the air, which is a fun time. You know, that's my favorite time of the game when nobody knows what the fuck they're doing because it makes me look better by comparison. <laughs> so that's great. But a lot of people will then say, oh, damn it. You know, the new expansion's out. I hadn't even got half of the previous one yet. Am I going to be left behind as a result of this? And Blizzard did some weird stuff in the way that they're releasing cards, because they do two things. They release either a full expansion, like this one, the Grand Tournament, or they release an adventure. And the adventure is a set cost, and you get to play these single-player challenges against these bosses, which are a lot of fun. And every time you beat a boss, you get a guaranteed card. And adventures usually contain, like, five legendary cards, and I think it's 30 cards in total. And most of them are really good. So they're a set cost. You can buy them with gold as well, but it's a large gold amount. Like, it's not like just buying a card pack, which is like 100 gold. I think an adventure is something like 3,000 gold or something like that to unlock. That's quite a lot of gold. Or you pay like 25 or $30 or something like that for it. So some people have been saying, well, if it was just expansions, it would be okay. But the way they're now doing it is they alternate between expansion and adventure. And it's really hard to keep up as a result of that. Because I can't what save if, my gold for, like, the expansion to buy packs because I've got to spend an obscene amount to buy an adventure. What if, uh, what if they did almost, like, over this next month or so, there's an event, and every couple of days they released, like, a couple of cards? Although I guess that wouldn't, that wouldn't necessarily work because there's always a theme, right? Like with Grand Tournament, it's all about your hero power, right? Yes. And yeah. so like you want them to have enough cards that they can utilize that and learn how to use it and have the cards for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what would work for that. It's, it's difficult because, yeah, you can get every card in the game and not pay a penny, but it's going to take you a fuck ton of time to do it. And the issue for some people is that they have less ladder success because they don't have the cards they need to get that ladder success. And right. it's not true that you, you know, oh, if you had a bunch of legendary cards, you win. That's not at all true. Like the, the best decks maybe have a smattering of them. And a lot of the best legendary cards are guaranteed drops from adventures instead of random. You know, mm-hmm. so you get those. Like you get something like Kelthas Ad, which is incredible, or Loatheb, which is really, really good, you know. And Nefarian, that you can get all of that stuff from adventures instead of just having to go through the random process of opening packs and hoping you get what you want. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand people's issue with it. You know, that game can be expensive if you want everything. You can still build a competitive deck if you commit to only building that competitive deck. Sure. Yeah, you can get that pretty easily and not have to pay a penny. But ultimately, it's a collectible card game and... I remember Scrolls doing the exact opposite of this and really falling flat on its face as, as a result, where they wouldn't let you buy card packs. You had to play the game in order to get the cards. And I found that 
I didn't have the time. So mm. I couldn't compete because I didn't have a good deck in that game. And the only way to get a good deck was to play. But if you lost, which I did because I didn't have the right cards, you get much, much less gold. And the games could last like 50 fucking minutes. So right. Scrolls had a bunch of problems there. So it's like, as you said, where is the middle ground? And there is an answer to that. And it's in the physical card space. And it's called the living card game. It's something that Fantasy Flight have done quite... It's Actually, they've been doing it for quite some time. They took the model and they said, look, what's, what's the problem with collectible card games? They're fucking expensive and collecting every card is really hard because of the random element. Yeah? So what if every expansion we released, we just gave you all the cards for a set price and we gave you three copies of each? What if we did right. that? And they've been doing that with Game of Thrones. They've done it with a game called Android Netrunner, which is fucking phenomenal. They did it with the Lord of the Rings card game, which is a weird kind of co-op versus deck card game. They've done it with uh, the Cthulhu card game and recently the Warhammer card game, the Warhammer 40,000 card game. And they release a pack like every month, which consists of about 30, maybe 40 cards. And it'll be like 10 or 15 bucks, I think. So it's... Could you do that with video games? Yeah, you could, I think. I think you mm -hmm. absolutely could do that. Because that's oh, basically yeah, the course. DLC model. Yep. So, so I mean, it could confused. work. Is Hearthstone a card game? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it's all coming together now. There we go. Uh, I threw the Hearthstone section. Don't worry. I know some people don't like it, but some some people some people did. Oh well, yeah. So I've been playing Hearthstone. Here's the thing that I played. So I found out that in Japan there is a game making an absurd amount of money, and it's called Monster Strike. I found out this game was apparently making four point eight million dollars a fucking day. A I just heard about this yesterday. A day. How yeah. much? $4.8 million a day. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I was like, what? What? That is what? So I, I, I wanted to find out. Like, I was really curious. Like, what is this? I've never heard of this. So I, I need to try it out. And it, it turns out there's a US version of it. So I downloaded Monster Strike. Mm-hmm. I have never played a game like this ever. This is really weird. So it's a sort of, it's a monster collection kind of RPG where you collect monsters and upgrade them. So, so far, so standard, yeah? It's like, oh, it's Pokemon. Yeah. But what if your monsters were actually bouncy balls? And the, you, and the battle system <laughs> <laughs> involved... Look into your balls. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> yep. Good. Sounds like good shit, am I right? <laughs> Sounds like that. So you have a team stuff. of these three monsters. And the battle system is you have a... It's not match three. Yeah, if people thinking it's match three, it's not match three at all. So it's all, it's all done in vertical because I think it was... I think most of the people in Japan play on phones. So obviously they kind of designed it for vertical play. And your four, your four monsters, which is three of them plus a friend's monster, sit at the bottom of the field. And then it spawns monsters up here. 
and you you get a turn and what you do is you kind of pull back on your monster and it sort of shows where it's going to go and you basically fling it in the direction of the enemy but if you have it bounce off your other monsters it combos and it combos with crazy shit like you bounce it off a couple of different uh, monsters and there's fucking lasers flying everywhere and each monster has its own kind of different pattern so some are like fire this way some are like fire a, bu a bunch of bullets kind of in a bullet hell style system and it's it's basically monster shuffleboard i guess but with an rpg and monster collection and it's actually fucking fun like it's really enjoyable because the combos are ludicrous like you can blow up the entire screen with a billion points of damage really really quickly and you this, the art style looks so much like puzzles and dragons are they uh, i same? guess it I, I i don't i haven't actually played much of puzzles and dragons so i'm not i think it is pretty similar though but the gameplay is nothing like it but you're collecting these different monsters and some of them are really fucking strange like i just got a new monster <laughs> which is basically a girl crossed with a tank like it mm -hmm. i think it might be a crossover with that weird anime with the tank girls in it i'm not sure there's another who's yes. like clearly in a mecha suit. Cool. Then there's an actual dragon. Then there's a turtle that has a top hat and a scepter. Nice. And you can use that. Classy turtle. Yeah, it's a very, very classy turtle. I'm it's literally the, downloading it right now. I'm stuck on your initial question. Because all I'm, all I'm imagining is like Malcolm Gladwell or someone at a TED talk just gets onto the stage just like, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, man. Today we're talking about a very important question. Uh, what if your monsters were balls? <laughs> and then it's a two-hour discussion on, on what would that world be like if your monsters were balls? And what, what kind of philosophical questions are there? What ethical questions? What moral questions are there if, indeed, your monsters were balls? Oh, the whole time? Can there be a PowerPoint that just shows really inspiring pictures of the beach? <laughs> oh absolutely yeah like the slow zoom slow mm -hmm. zoom in where you're it's like this is really affecting me text comes up that says things like the human condition <laughs> narrative dissonance all yep. this kind of yep. stuff yeah Good. just what what if your monster like you could i could write write a book on that on that very thesis what if monsters were bored can we have pie charts as well oh, so many pie charts fantastic like, too, too many pie charts if there's That's one thing, there's no such thing. That's if an imaginary monster, thing. If the Monster Ball Symposium could be accused of one thing, it's having too many pie charts. And even that's controversial because the, a lot of people lobbied for the pie charts. Hmm. One, one person said, that's too many pie charts. Another person said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Uh, that guy is ever wrong. Eternally wrong. He was born to be wrong. Yeah. Fuck off, pie charts, Steve. That, no was, his, that was his role in life. And let's be honest, pie charts are also in the shape of balls as well. So, you know, it's thematic. It was thematic, yes. Yeah. Thematic consistency, you know. And no. what if those pie charts were bouncy? And monsters? What if the pie chart... It, it, honestly, considering what I've seen, a pie chart being a super rare monster in this game is actually incredibly likely. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So it's a, what, a mobile game? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm playing it on iPad. You can get it on phone as well. I have to look into it. Oh, oh there you go. She's she's downloaded. It. There you go. Yep. Oh. yep. Go go flick some balls. Give it give it a shot. The Except. it's 
I'm trying to figure out whether or not the free-to-play model is evil, and so far my conclusion is it doesn't seem to be. But then again, maybe it's one of those games where, like, the first 20 hours you play, it's like, this is really fair, and then suddenly it's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> but... Well, the thing about free-to-play, it's the same thing as a knife. A knife on its own, not an inherent problem. Someone picks it up and whacks it in somebody's eye, then you've got a problem. Uh, you can get really good free-to-play games. I mean, I discussed No this one had the name Switch, Boobies? But... There you go. It's actually not very popular that in that the US yet. So there you go. If you I got can it. get the nickname Boobies just as like a joke and it actually worked, not nearly enough people playing this game. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the, all of them are spending a ridiculous amount of money. Right? Well, this is it's the US only, only version. Yeah. You get a different server. So it's mostly in Japan uh, that it's ridiculously popular. The US I'm version not, only had like 47 so. star ratings on the iStorm. Like, this game is making 4.7 million a day and only 47 people bother to fucking review it. No, it's the US version and the US server in particular. But like, it's it seems fair. Like, the I went to the store and there's barely anything to buy. It has a stamina bar, but it's so generous I can never run it out. Like it keeps giving you more stamina constantly, oh, and like you can Final build. Fantasy. Yeah, and you could build your stamina bar up even higher than that. And so I I haven't run out of stamina yet in that game. And the only well, we thing saw you could that with Fallout Shelter, like the the lunch boxes are so optional, and yet they yeah. made a ton of money. It's almost it's because if... that's the most fun part of the game. Like well, <laughs> opening lunch is... boxes is great. Yeah. But it's almost as if you provide someone with a decent free-to-play experience that they then want to buy something rather than feel bottlenecked and forced to buy something. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, Dungeon Keeper Mobile or the, the Simpsons Tapped mm -hmm. Out and stuff. Yeah. It's almost like people are willing to give you money if you give them something good for it. It's weird how that works. Yeah. You're I, wrong. I, I, Jim, I you're wrong. The naysayers call me mad, but I tell you this is the future. Offering <laughs> goods for cash. <laughs> That's the way business should be done. Blasphemy! <laughs> you and your satanic cotton ginny will be burned to the ground. Please, alms! I have a, I have a sick <laughs> wife. Do not cast me out for my heathen ways. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. It's kind of fun so far. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with it. It's most... It also, I think the reason it's really popular in Japan, because Japan fucking loves to do the whole, we're playing in co-op with a mobile device thing. You know, Monster Hunter being a prime example of that. This game has four-player co-op that works over kind of a local, I, I assume it sort of sets up an ad hoc Wi-Fi to do it. And you can play with your friends and you can go on co-op quests and things like that and share the loot. It's kind of cool from what I can tell. Like it's... It's really easy right now, which makes me think they're about to fuck me over at some point in the future. I'm, I'm destroying things, but it's this. It seems like there's a huge variety of monsters. There's they've got this fun. Hey, you uh, when you earn orbs in the game, you can cash them in for a. It's not. It's it's like a little um capsule toy machine that pops out an egg with a new monster in it and things like that. So it always keeps you doing that and. The, the basic core gameplay loop is just so much fun to do. It's like, how can I bounce my balls around so much that they will hit other balls and there will be a reaction that's really fun? That's what happens. And, and that's on today's lecture, how can I bounce my balls around? <laughs> Open your question. textbooks, page 310. Indeed. Oh my. It's, <sighs> it's, it's, yeah. That will always be funny and never not be. I want, it I want it to cross over with Fingered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
Oh dear. What yep. if your monster balls got fingered? <laughs> Sorry, what I asking the real questions here one. on the Co-optional Podcast. <laughs> yeah, the ones that matter, damn it. Diving mm -hmm. in depth into the things that matter. Mm. Fact. Yeah. Fact. Yep, so that's um, Monster Strike. You can download it for free. Everybody's really upset with me for not mentioning that I played Chrono Trigger for 27 hours on a live stream. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a thing you did, didn't you? We all did that for the 20th anniversary of its release in the US. Uh -huh. We uh, we played through Chrono Trigger. The average playtime for that game is about 24 hours. We had a few setbacks, okay. so it wound up being a 27-hour playtime. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome because Gerard had never played it before, and neither had Davis from the Warp Zone. Neither of them knew anything about Chrono Trigger. Okay. So... It was pretty great because Jesse and I both love that game. Uh, it is a yeah. classic, no doubt. It's fantastic. We got the true ending, and it was super, super fun, although I did fall asleep. Everybody fell asleep except Jesse. Jesse held out. He was able to stay awake for the whole thing. I fell asleep for, like, probably three or four hours total <laughs> in, in random spatterings of... Uh, yeah, you had over. I know. I saw fifteen thousand concurrent at one point watching that. So yeah, we had fifteen thousand for most of it, which was kind of nuts. So that was awesome. Thank you to everybody who be asked to play Chrono Trigger, so they'd rather watch someone else do it. it. It's easier. It's a good game, like, and it's available on, like every platform ever. You can play that on your fucking watch at this point. You know, it's, oh yeah, it's a good one. It was ahead of its time, certainly. Oh yeah, too. It's there's something about that art style. It's something about that Super Nintendo art style that is timeless. That is still oh, yeah. very, very playable at this. There's point. a reason so many indie games try and emulate it. Like yeah. it, it's hard to mess up. Like you know you've you know you've screwed up somewhere in the art department if you make that style look bad. It's a it's a bit like cell shading in that regard, although that's easier to mess up. I was gonna but, say, but, guys of the wolf. That's, yeah, that's an example. <laughs> Jeez. You can mess it up if you're really bad, but yes. it, it's one of those things that it just, it works so well and, and the, the games hold up today. And Chrono Trigger is, you know, possibly the uh, prime example of that. Yeah, I mean, that game holds up better than some of the older Final Fantasies, honestly. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much innovation there and there's a lot of creativity and storytelling, great characters, awesome battle system. It's great i mean it's still great it will probably always be great play chrono trigger yeah play chrono trigger it's fantastic and like we said you can play it on basically anything so you have yeah. literally no excuse you can walk out of your house fall over and like just stumble into some chrono trigger happening on yeah. something so it's it's fine oh you, there it is yeah like where did i put my chrono trigger oh there's 10 of them over there it's yes. fine <laughs> i'll just pick one off the tree mm-hmm I picked it up on DS a while ago for about $3. It was DS like, yeah, is good. go for it. Yeah, it works mm -hmm. fine. You can get it on, on the eShop, but they have it on the Wii eShop rather than the Wii U eShop. Ah. Uh, Interesting. I don't is, like that. Like, I, I, they need a unified eShop. They like, really I, do. Nintendo, they're getting better at online, but oh God. On my Wii U when I could play it on my 3DS. Like, if, if I'm going to play Earthbound, I want to play it on the 3DS. You know, I'm the guy who, as I said earlier, I, I re-bought The Binding of Isaac just to have it on my 3DS. Yeah, like, sure. There is so much stuff I would rebuy if the eShop was unified, but mm -hmm. 
Nintendo's going to Nintendo. They'll do their own thing. Yeah. You know. Plus, considering they're bringing out something new in the next couple of years, do you really want to buy things right now on the eShop? They might not even have an eShop on the next thing. Yeah, you just don't know. Out of all of the consoles, that's the one where the idea of a lasting purchase really is uh, a lot more questionable than than other places. Yeah, yeah, certainly. The the lifespan of the Wii U is uh, looking thin at the moment. Yeah, you, you just don't know what they're going to do, which in some yeah. ways is great. I love how unpredictable Nintendo is. But at at some points it is frustrating because like I don't I don't know if I'm just throwing money down the drain with these guys I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, this is the company that's getting you to buy God knows how many little plastic things. So I I'm gonna suggest that you are throwing money down the toilet, and you know it. You know it's it's upfront abuse of your wallet. At least they're not trying to hide it. Yeah, yeah. I that was one of my I've been saying that in the industry for years. It's like if you if you're gonna fuck me about, at least tell me upfront. Don't treat me like an idiot. Don't don't be Ubisoft and tell me that you care about the PC market because I'm just <laughs> going to feel insulted as well as screwed over. <laughs> the the rumors I believe for the the NX or whatever it is they're doing is that it won't actually have an optical disc drive. That it might be cartridge based. Cartridges. Yeah. Do, do I mean well, do you? Th- that's how their handhelds have been <laughs> since the beginning of time. It is. That would be kind of amazing. I would yeah. love that. Like I, oh, the amount of boiled piss on the internet when if they <laughs> did that. Like I, I would love that so much. I'm I'm rooting for that now. That's my thing. Nintendo will be my company of the year for the next, let's say, three years if the <laughs> NX is cartridge based. I mean, if it was any other company, when I heard there won't be an optical drive, I would say, oh, they're going all digital. All right, but it's Nintendo. Nintendo that still views the internet and digital downloads, frankly, the same as the Luddites viewed in the industrialization of the Western continent. It's not something that they really want to do, but it's also possible they might just go straight down the sort of SD card route. Now, they've they could been do anything. Messing around That's, with that. Yeah. They could, they could bring back the gramophone. It could be wax discs that you just put on, and it's got a big gold horn that plays the soundtrack. Ah, oh, here it is. I've got it. I've got it. This is this is Nintendo's renaissance right here. The golden era begins. Profits and stocks soar into the stratosphere as a result of installing games purely on Amiibos. Oh, shit. No, boo. Oh, no. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> there it is. The oh. only way you can play your games now. Fucking oh. Amiibos. Oh. And we'll only release a limited number of each game. <laughs> Big... I'm sorry, like, I can't even laugh at that because Nintendo was so stupid. When it comes to those things, it could happen. It really it could happen. Ah. I mean, I was—I I broke out in hives when I heard talk of them bringing out one amiibo for every single Pokemon. Oh my, and in my god! Mind, in my mind, I'm thinking they will literally just bring out one amiibo for every Pokemon. Just one. <laughs> one guy gets it. There you go. Enjoy your Raichu or whatever. And the worst thing is, is if they have an Ekans, I will get the Ekans. And I'll feel like a piece of shit because I already swore off the Amiibos. They're in a box oh, under my no. desk and I'm never bringing them out again. But I, I would like an Ekans. That would be the most incredible, collectible shit show 
of our time. Chaos. It they would be like, mad Here mad. you go, Pokemon Amiibos, but there's only one of each Pokemon and we've scattered them across the globe. Enjoy. Oh! Just turn into fucking Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> we'd be like trapped desperately to find all of them. Millions died. One guy Millions. Just like, I can't. I need them. Jesus, that is awful. And they would. You know they would. It would be amazing. Just, Please do it. Oh, my God. People lose their minds. I can just imagine just war bands with, with <laughs> you know, villainous mobsters just running them. Just, you will bring me the mucks and the grimers. Yes, you will. <laughs> Go forth. Storm their village. Deliver unto me thine Pikachu. It would be wonderful. The tribes would become sort of themed around the deification of the amiibos that they had gathered. So yes. You, you've got the sort of Captain Planet style industrialized villains. They're, they're the coughing clan. Uh, yeah, and it's just nothing but smokestacks and poison <laughs> fumes everywhere. You have a, 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 a small uh, troupe, I suppose, of uh, traveling minstrels with their wonderful little fluffy Pokemon and What's the their Jigglypuffs and their whatever that stupid pink singing one is? Yeah, you got the, all the fire ones with their Charmanders and stuff, and they've got a Doof Warrior. He's got the guitar with the flamethrower and everything. Just you got be, the I nature conservationists, you know, with mm. the Bulbasaurs and all that sort of thing. It's wonderful, and and then you can have the sequel to Waterworld, you know, where everyone has a Blastoise and you know, it's one just. <laughs> I envision a dark There's future for us Blastoise, all. There's only one Blastoise TV. There's only one. There's only one in the That's whole That's what they world. built the Waterworld 2 on. The back of the Blastoise. There you go. Mm -hmm. Oh my Amiibo god! World. They make a Pokemon MMO. They put out one Amiibo for every Pokemon. Every single one. Like, all, like, across every generation. Right? If you have that Amiibo, you can load it into the MMO. And you are that Pokemon in that world, and there's only one of you. Ah! We're, we're <laughs> laughing. We're laughing, but the Amoebocalypse is coming. And it's going <laughs> to take us all. People would get assassinated for this shit. They I'll would. Tell you, there will be a time of tribulation, I tell you, and then a time of trial. The great fast is coming, I tell you this. We will look into the sky and we will say, Reggie, deliver us. And Reggie will say, no. <laughs> I think we've discovered it. You know, oh. We found out why everyone had gone to the rapture. Because they were actually in the Amipocalypse. <laughs> Indeed, the Amipocalypse <laughs> is the cause oh of all God, of this. Oh, happened right now. Oh, dear. Don't, oh. don't give Chinese room any ideas. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> You know, the, the, there is this this small world where I could just see Nintendo pulling something that silly. It's like, what if we could make game discs more fun? You know, like, but you, this is the sort of thing you would do, and I know you would, and you'd, you'd pretend <laughs> to do it with the greatest of intentions, but really we know it's just corporate greed. Yeah. Uh, a dark, dark future, I see for us all. What else have we been playing this week? I played a bit of the flock. Ah, yeah. Um, please tell me about this. I I haven't dived into it yet, but I was I was very curious because the flock has one particular interesting mechanic. I was, yeah, I was very curious about this game as well. Well, it's funny because I thought you'd played it. 
because Cabinet. ah yeah it's kind of the reaction that people who have played it should be having because uh -huh. it really is this kind of ah, this is the game just just to make sure that i'm thinking of the right one this is the game where there's a finite number of times Mm -hmm. that it can be played right yeah they've got like over two the population of the game's world is over two million and it's all populated by these monsters called the flock and they're like these wiry vampire stone gargoyle type things that act a bit like the 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 angels from blink you know you're supposed you're supposed to behave like that uh, one of you gets to find a lamp and you grab it and you turn into a little dude for some reason I don't know. It's, you're a little dude. They, they haven't put any world building in. Uh, but you're a little dude. You get the lamp. And you've got to hold that lamp for as long as you can. Um, to, I guess, ascend or whatever. And the other members of the flock have to basically pounce on you like a hunter from Left 4 Dead. And take the lamp off you. Now, if the lamp looks at you while you're moving, you will burn up. So it's this really quite clever structure of, of red light, green light. Where you're running around a map with a lamp terrified because there's two other players who are trying to kill you and you've got to constantly look around and there are statues everywhere that look exactly like other members of the flock so it's like you don't know who's a player and who's not and you're constantly right. looking around and you'll see one dart in the corner of your eye and turn around and they'll freeze and then you'll get hit from behind by the one who was looking at you the whole time um, so it's very clever structurally um, the population thing, I have no idea how that's going to pan out. Uh, it's, you know, they got, they started with over 2 million. That I is thought a it was lot. like 200 million. Like it was an insane oh, probably, number. Yeah, something, you're probably more correct. Like it is, it's, it's up there in the millions and to the point where we may never see the end of it. What they, the, the fuck is with that guy? Over. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the picture of the guy with the lamp. What's with these eyes? What the hell did you do this? Is this Oh, you? I added. I okay. Added, I, I, I gave him a little weird trolley expression because the game keeps crashing, which is the other big problem. Ah, okay. Yeah, oh, I was going to say that, that was on purpose, was it? That's... Yeah, the, the actual guy has no facial features. Right, He's just a yeah. little round egg head with a lamp and okay. a little Mac and me body. Um, I, I don't know why, but I don't know why they want to be him. I'd much rather be... The flock looked pretty cool. Little Mac and me egghead dude doesn't, but that's the goal of the game is to be egghead Mac and me man. But anyway... Um, it's so rough, and that's my real problem with it. it, it I want to love that game so much, because structurally, premise-wise, it's so good. Uh, some people would disagree. Some people don't know what I see in it, so maybe I'm just a weird outlier here. But I, I got really tense playing it, and, and it felt like a real... A real multiplayer horror is so hard to do, and that yeah. felt like they nailed it. <clears throat> but, but it feels like it's an early access game. And an early access game that I wouldn't be happy with, even if it was in early access. Yeah. It's that rough around the edges. And I really hope they right. fix it. But, you know, it took me an hour to try and get it into a workable state when I first got it for recording. And even then, like, like it, it pretends that it can't run at any resolution. <laughs> it's like, sorry, we can't do 1440 resolution. We're switching to 1080. Sorry, we can't do any resolution. We're crashing now. Bye. Mm. Uh, and and it's, I don't get it. I don't get what half the problems are. Uh, but it does feel really, really rough. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I wish they'd... It's one of those games where I almost wish they'd put it in early access, and I don't say that often. Mm. Um, but just to give people the right idea, because it's getting hammered in reviews. And, oh, yeah. and that's the main problem, because 
A lot of people are obviously upset with this idea that the game is planned Will to end. be obsolete. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I feel like if you're going to do something that dramatic, something basically the kind of game Hideo Kojima's talked about doing for years, if you're going to be that gutsy, if you're going to go there with something that, that uh, I guess, I guess like, like just testy with the audience, mm-hmm. your game has to be on point. You have to make a superb game. To make up for that and it feels like they've they've not done that and that's where they've shot themselves in the foot because they can't even fall back on the idea that well the game is fantastic because the game is just it's rough as hell and and i feel that's the biggest letdown i reckon people would have been a lot more forgiving had the game itself been just just beautifully constructed and stellar but uh, yeah, if you're going to go ambitious, you've got to be good. Innovation is not enough. I've said that many times. That's and very in true. This case, you see people trying case, it, and if they botch it, it, then that's it. Yeah. The the price tag, the planned obsolescence thing is interesting to me because a lot of people turn their nose up at it immediately. It's like, why on earth would I ever buy a game that I won't be able to play past a certain point? I'm like, well, have you ever bought anything from EA? Yeah. Because... This already exists. It's just this is the only game that's been honest about it, that said this game is going to end at some point. There are a ton of multiplayer games that are effectively dead for all intents and purposes or are actually dead because the servers got killed. Hell, if you buy a cell phone, like, you're already buying into the planned obsolescence world. Like, it's... And I'm not saying that's, you know, that doesn't make it better. No. But, but again, I think you said it yourself, um before the game came out at least they are being upfront about it at least at least you know this has a cutoff point you For are me... essentially yes yeah sorry no no please i, I, <laughs> okay. I talk too much oh no all i was gonna say is for me I, I try to think of it kind of like going to the movies like them saying this i'm like well i would pay a certain amount to to have the experience of going to the movies and if they're if they have a very specific Thing that they're going for with this game like it won't last forever just like my experience at the cinema won't last forever but you know i'm i'm still paying a certain amount in order to watch this movie at the cinema so like i don't know mm, it's, I, just, it's, I, it's uncharted territory really and 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 that makes me less angry and more just interested to see what happens there's a good chance we'll never get to the end of that population because that that's a well lot no of one's playing it yeah, yeah, according, according to Steam Spy, and... which maybe is not that accurate, it's got uh, currently 3,700 people own it. That's not a lot. Yeah, so it could take years. It could last longer than most e- most EA multiplayer games that go obsolete. Um, so people who are buying it and playing it will probably more than get their money's worth. And they have said that if they hit zero, I was going to say when they hit zero, but at this point it really is looking if they if, hit zero, yeah. something is going to happen. You know, there is something planned, um, what it is they're keeping close to their chest. But, but yeah, it's, it's just a curious game. And I do respect that they've tried to do something new. Uh, I always respect people for trying, but... I have a question. Yeah. I can't remember if, uh, if this came out as just, like, a rumor or if it was fact about how the game works. But once you've become the little dude with the lantern... You can never become him again, right? Or is that not true? That's not true. That's not true. Um, what happens is uh, if you pick up the lantern, one of the lives is removed from the game. One of the, popula- the population number goes down by one. 
symbolizing it symbolizes that a member of the flock has gone and if you get caught in game by you know another member of the flock basically they become the like dude population goes down by two i guess no by one because you're already gone yeah uh, population goes down by one you respawn as a flock and try and get the lamp back again so it's it I really see, is I a see. red light green light game a tag that is constantly okay. in flux yeah i remember when when i first was reading about it there people people were trying to sort of decipher the object of this game and it sounded like we start with a certain number of people and that's the only people who are going to be in the game and once you get the lantern you know that's basically like the end of your time playing it like you get the lantern you walk around you keep it as long as you can and once you die that's that's like your existence in the game is done and you can still spectate but you can't play it anymore i wouldn't be surprised if they had had that as an idea at one point which is right. a terrible idea yeah. like if they'd done that that would yeah, probably thought we people. went a bit too far with that one let's scale it back a bit there, there was a game i think it was quite recent like i think it was called eco or something along those lines where they made a game for a convention that basically ended at the convention based on the decisions that the, that the people made at the convention no one could ever play it again Right. I know that there was something like that. I, I heard vaguely about that, yeah. I, I think I had a press release about that somewhere. What is it? Let's have a look. There's got to be something about this. Mm -hmm. There was some really... I, think, I find games like that fascinating. There it's we just... go, yes. Um, hmm. Yeah, oh, so basically they made a demo of it. So this thing's on Kickstarter. It's called uh, uh. Eco. And they said they're making the first public demo at PAX. We're planning to do something really unique. We're going to host a living world, which all PAX participants interact in, working to collect resources and build a civilization. And afterwards, they can look at the data of the underlying ec ecosystem simulation and vote on proposed laws, which will then be enacted and enforced by the next day's attendees. So basically, the fate of the world is decided over the course of a number of days at PAX. And then that mm. essentially, that's the kind of the end of the demo, which is a really yeah. interesting idea. I mean, I love it. It's just, it's so hard to give that kind of thing to the mass market. That's the thing. It works well at events, yeah. like secluded things. But how do you sell that to someone? As we found out with the flock, it's not that way. Well, you don't, you don't price it at $17 to start with. Yeah. Try five. You know, five is, five is within the sure why not kind of range yeah. for a lot of people it that that idea is just interesting enough you price it at 17 it becomes a bit of a problem but it does come on to the topic that dodger accurately pointed out you know you you pay money to for a cinema ticket you go see a movie that's the length of your experience is a set length you know it's two hours or whatever and that's it you have spent x amount of money for y amount of time in this area now when it comes to games People seem to have, you know, the general expectation seems to be if I buy a game, I could still be playing this and getting enjoyment out of it in fucking years. You know, I could have put thousands right. of hours into this $10 game. And in some cases, that's true, like fucking Terraria, for instance. You know, there are some games you can absolutely do that with. And then there are some other games that are really limited in the amount of you know brothers great example you know brothers doesn't really have any replay value it's a two-hour experience one of the best two-hour experiences you can get but it's a two-hour experience you maybe play journey twice maybe three times at most uh, but it's an incredible game nonetheless so I just take a different view on replay value um because because i that comes up a lot over the years you know mm -hmm. replayability is such a big topic sure and i always tell people that for me the most replayable game i've ever played uh was silent hill 2 a single-player game that has a beginning and never changes. Yeah. Oh, never, my God. 
But I have played it so many times because it's just worth playing again. And it's probably going to be the same with Until Dawn. Like I've seen people say it's got no replay value. It's like, but I want to. It seems play like it's it got again. loads of replay value. Like I love games where you can play again and make different choices. That to oh, me yeah, is, I mean, is huge for me. So it's got that replay value. But even if it was, I think I enjoyed it as an experience in the same way that I can watch Saw, you know, for as long as, you know, as many times as I like. Uh, there are certain games I could play and they could be the same thing every time. And, and for me, that is replay value. Silent Hill 2 being such a damn good experience, such a damn good story, you know, where, where I would read a book again, where I would watch a film again. There are some games that never change, but I will play them again. And that to me is a, it's a, it's a form of replay value that I think people don't take into account uh, because they see replay value as new content, which new game plus. isn't really yeah. replayable. It's not really replaying it because you want new content. Uh, so it is, I feel like it's a, a definition that could use expansion and just so, where we can respect games that you replay just because you want to replay them. Just because they're I that damn valued. good. Yeah. yeah. I feel that's I replay Deus Ex every couple of years, you know? Exactly. For I mean, that, that reason. right there, replay value. You you get the same amount of joy going back into Deus Ex. Uh, and, and I feel that's an important factor in, in replayability that people don't, don't often bring up. It's very true. Um, yeah, so... Basically, stay tuned to the Jim Sterling YouTube channel for great episodes of the Jim <laughs> Position where we may discuss topics like that in the future. It's like, hmm, he'll do this on Monday. Can I steal it before then? <laughs> <laughs> and I just undercut that. It's like, ah, he has a schedule. Let's exploit that. Damn, damn his professionalism. I'm limited by it's my cool. schedule. Undermine. <laughs> Yeah, it's there, there was one other point that someone accurately brought up in the chat, which is certainly a point I didn't address, which is he was going, yeah, but you want to be able to have the option of playing Journey again in 10 years. It's like, yes, Journey doesn't maybe bear 20 playthroughs, but what if in 10 years you want to play it again and you yeah. couldn't because the game's not online? Because that's what will happen with the flock. Yeah. I'm like, well... And indeed, several EA games, as you yeah. can yeah, I mean, well, it's a multiplayer game, and multiplayer games these days are at increasing risk of that because most of them don't offer LAN options. Now, for those who don't know, LAN is what's kept a lot of these games alive through programs like Hamachi, Tungle, and Game Ranger. It allows you... You can still go and play a Battlefront 2. No problem at all. We did it, like, a couple of months ago. We got a full server. It was easy. We just did it through Game Ranger. We use Game Ranger for all sorts of older titles that don't have multiplayer servers online anymore because you can just use LAN now. The internet is so fast now that it can emulate a LAN fairly well. Not, not incredibly, but fairly well. But with a game like The Flock, you will never have that option because it will go offline and that will be that. Yeah, but then I mean, again... That's... It's also one of the, the kind of only games that would do that for a reason and with a purpose. And I think that's interesting enough a concept to explore, but I don't think many people are going to be a guinea pig for $17. I yeah. don't think so. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's such a good, interesting idea that I want to root for it, but right now they're making it hard to root for. And that, yeah, that yeah. I feel, is the big tragedy of the flock. Um, and again, just to give people chances to steal my ideas i may very well do a, a video on that as well just explaining the because it's a frust the flock is a frustrating thing because it is i see so much potential there that yeah is just being misused it's a great idea that they just didn't quite know what to do with and the last uh, thing you want is that concept's well being poisoned you know you, you yes, want exactly someone to come back to it with a better idea there was some um, there's a game called abyss odyssey that is a kind of side-scrolling roguelike thing. 
And it's not quite the same idea, but it had something that was kind of linked into it, this idea of shared progression. And uh, It's an interesting notion where the game doesn't have multiplayer, but you're in this kind of meta-universe where what everybody does together as a collective actually impacts the game. The amount of times that the uh, is either the Warlock or the Necromancer is beaten at the bottom of the Abyss actually causes the game to change over time. And more mm-hmm. content gets, like, he gets new abilities and they add new monsters in for every so many times that this guy is beaten. So it's it's a really, I mean, that game is actually really fun. And I'd actually recommend it to people. I did a video on it a long time ago. And it's gotten even better since then because, of course, the weakest version of the product was the one at the start. You know, right. the Necromancer, I beat him. was like, oh, this was easy. Now he's a fucking nightmare, apparently. He does all sorts of things. And they've added all sorts of new content as a result. And as long as the game can be continue, can continue sustainability like that, then that's a really interesting idea to keep people coming back and sort of yeah. working together. And it taps into this whole idea. You, you remember when Fez first came out? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. And... Everyone was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Because that game has some really strange lore and some very cryptic stuff. That, and people yeah. were gradually figuring it out. And if you played Fez at that time, you were kind of part of this sort of little cultural zeitgeist of, of people who were trying to figure everything out and as a collective online. And it was really exciting. Now it's not so exciting because, of course, it's all been figured out. But it's all been, yeah. I think you can take that and you can even integrate it mechanically into a game and that's what abyss odyssey did and in a way that's what the flock does and if the the, flock sorry go ahead so i just say the ps4 recently had um hell divers which did a similar thing where everyone's fighting in this galactic war and your progress weakens things and forges a path towards the you know the end boss planets of the different races and i love stuff like that collaborative stuff so cool. Um, Nobi yeah. Nobi Boy was one of the earlier ones where I mean it wasn't much of a game. It was it was a game, but it wasn't much of one. But everyone was just stretching this little boy worm thing, and the longer they got it, it all contributed to a mileage that got you to new planets. And I just I love that idea of, of games that just collaborate like that. But but yeah, you've got to do it right. And and I do worry that some of these experimental ones are. are while their intent is noble, their delivery may, as you say, poison the well and yeah. make people too scared to buy it or too scared to even make it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. I need to look at that game. It's It's been on the list. There's, there's so many cool things that have been coming out. I mean, Party Hard's out today, which I can't wait mm. to try. That That's that's looking yeah. like a lot of fun. I bought it. I haven't touched it yet, but I'm so yeah. excited to play it. Yeah, I've got code for that as well, so I'm going to give it a shot. But uh, one thing I was trying out, uh, which uh, I suppose we can fit this in before the break. Planetary Annihilation Titans. Now, mm. if you remember Planetary Annihilation, it was a Kickstarter. It was one of the most successful monetarily. And it came out and it was... It was a meh game. It was very meh. That, that's the, the best way I can kind of describe Planetary Annihilation. It had grand plans. And, of course, it was by some of the designers of Total Annihilation, which is a fucking classic and everybody loves. And people are like, oh, God, we need a new Supreme Commander because Supreme Commander 2 was fucking awful. But Planetary Annihilation, you can fight on different planets and you can crash planets into other planets. Isn't this fucking incredible? And it came out and it was... Nah. It, w- it was kind of... It was dull. They only had one 
that well they only have one faction basically and all the units were really really basic and the graphic style was very basic and it had all sorts of issues like it ended up not having a proper single player and then they put this thing in which called galactic conquest which was this sort of awful idea where you got random unit drops which means you can get totally fucked over like i had a i played it and i went into the game and it, i had land units only the opponent had a fucking navy i had no <laughs> aircraft i had only <laughs> tanks they had battleships i had no way to kill them i couldn't get to them because they're in the oh. middle of the fucking sea so that was incredibly badly designed and it had like always online and all sorts of things like that the planets were really small it was i've had so, so many people tell me to cover that game like it's it's not a genre i really cover so it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around what's wrong with it but at this point same. i've got people just yelling planetary annihilation, annihilation at me just you've got to cover this they lied to us they're censoring us and it's like i i I, I'm gonna. I, I need to dig into it. I don't understand what's going on. Mm. It's, I don't it's understand a, it. It's a weird one because PA it was a it was like a twenty dollar Kickstarter and then they released a ninety dollar early access version, which and they reduced the oh, price yeah. over time because they're like we don't want you to play this unless you are actually dedicated to testing it. So we're going to put the price up ludicrously high. So uh, people are like it's not badly designed. You just don't know how to build in the sea. The tanks can't go into the fucking sea. I know you can build some buildings on the sea, but I didn't have I had didn't have navy unlocked. I couldn't kill them. Anyway, besides the point, you asses. They it, it was lacking a lot of it's features. Sort of you were doing it wrong. Do, obviously, thing. yeah. Obviously, you would yeah, you would like totally. the game if you could just figure out how yeah, to you're just you a know, fucking actually noob, play the game correctly. Playing the game yeah. That's wrong. not our fault. Yeah, you're playing it wrong. You need to though. like get good. Yeah, like, you do. Now, we're going to send you a review guide. Now, I'll tell you everything you need to do. Uh, you need to read that. Um, yeah, so if you can play it better next time and be more fair in your review, because I don't think you were fair. I, get, gave you I have. Did, did you actually, have you had that from a publisher at any point or a dev? Or has that just been a viewer complaint? I, I know I've definitely had that from viewers. I once, and this was this is one of my more famous moments uh, back when I was working for Destructoid. Uh, I played a game called Hydrophobia. Um, oh, I played that one. That was yeah, not great. It was shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I said it was shit. And they didn't have my phone number at first. Uh, they had Sumitsar Carr's phone number. Now, he was our sports games editor. And he now works at Polygon. And they rang his phone so many times trying to get a hold of him. Okay. And eventually, I think he, he eventually gave them my number. I was like, fine. I'd, I'd never answer my phone anyway. Mm -hmm. But I was getting voice messages from someone at, um, I forget what their name was, like Dart something, whatever. And she was leaving messages like, we're concerned that you didn't understand the game. Uh, we, we, we have concerns that people didn't didn't get what we were going for. It's All this not shit. that complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and then they started doing interviews with Eurogamer where they were like, the critics didn't understand the game. We were delivering oh some brand That's new That's your fault then. That's your fault. That's not the <laughs> critic's fault. Oh my god. But I'm like, don't don't call my fucking sports editor like twelve times in the middle of the night. Don't leave me voice messages. Right? You haven't even sent me an email. Uh, I would I never deal with a company like that again if they did that to me. That's... Oh yeah, but I don't think they ever made another game again. <laughs> I think they they tried to remake Hydrophobia. Um, I think I I think I, I that was the version I played. Yeah. And it, and it had was... it had some things which were okay, but mostly it was just a bad third person game. Yeah, like that was the thing. It was like, 
they really did not want to accept that they'd made a bad game. So they yeah. basically tried to polish a turd. And they proved that unlike what the adage says, you can polish a turd. You can. But it still stinks of shit. Yeah, it does. At the end of the day. Uh, so they, they did their best, bless them. But no, I don't... I'd be surprised if they're still doing things. I mean, they probably are somewhere, but I, I certainly would never directly deal with them again. No, that that's definitely not what you want. I think the worst one that I've ever had, well, I, that would, of course, be uh, fun creators. But outside of the crazy guys, the worst thing that I had was I, I put up an unlisted video, and I'm not going to name names because I'm not going to be mean. They did apologize for this afterwards. Uh, where I put up a, a, it was a little unlisted video where I'd found like the AI of the game just had gone bonkers in a real way. And I put up this little video that's like, this game's incredible AI. And it was this guy just running around in circles yelling for about 40 seconds. And the PR firm emailed us, it actually emailed my PR guy and said, um, you know, this is, this is not what we, this is not the way to express gratitude for uh, for us uh, for us sending a, a copy of this game to you um, oh dear oh yeah like good. oh what? we we sent a, like a two-page email back to them just tearing them apart oh for that. i'm trying to imagine a world where a publisher or developer uses the word gratitude i think the guy was new i'm gonna assume <laughs> the guy was new because that was not a smart thing to say as a pr no. firm at all that was really really dumb Anyway, but before we go to the break, just to kind of back onto PA for a second, it is an interesting case because it was one of those Kickstarters where they, they promised the moon quite literally. They promised that you could crash the moon into another moon, you know. And you can. You can do that, you know, and it's fucking great. But it was it was lacking a lot of features that they'd either speculated about or kind of promised. And the game ended up being just decidedly met on launch. And it was lacking a tutorial and it had performance problems and everything. Titans came out of fucking nowhere. You know, I like to think I have my finger on the pulse a little bit when it comes to games. I didn't even know this was coming out. And all of the guys that did uh, Kickstarter, I Kickstarter for like 25 bucks or whatever, got this for free. And if you if you bought the game otherwise, you get like a 66% off discount. So it's like $15 or whatever. And it seems to me this is what the game should have been when they launched it. It's a lot better. It's got It runs a lot better. It's got a much larger variety of units. And they've introduced five Titan-class units, which are fucking gigantic. Like, absolutely massive things. That There's uh, one called the Atlas, which just causes earthquakes. That's all it does. It walks over to enemy base. The enemy base just falls, a p falls to pieces. It's lovely. <laughs> it, that's exactly what you want from that, that kind of scale. And I said, the tutorial's great. They've got some really cool features uh, that make things a lot easier. Like, uh, if you hold down shift now and kind of uh, drag out a circle, it'll build metal extractors on all of the metal parts in that area, which is great because you don't have to individually click on everything. They've got a lot of great automation in that game and some features which let you do all the economic stuff really quickly and easily so you can focus on what the game is really good at, which is clashing armies of thousands together in a big explosion because uh, that game is is really about build as many fucking things as possible and then throw them at the enemy and watch things watch the fireworks you know it's a lot it's a lot better now you know and people are saying that was in before but that's the point it didn't have a tutorial so you didn't fucking know it was in before now it has a tutorial so it explains all that stuff really well so i mean i'm playing a bit more of it i'll i'll eventually uh, get around probably to having a good proper look at it but it's got things like the unit cannon in it you could fire units from a giant cannon to the other side of the fucking planet it's cool uh, it's got some interesting ideas 
So it's not usually my speed of game, but you you're making it sound like something that might be worth me uh, checking that out. You that can build you can build a metal planet into a giant death ray that obliterates other planets. You can do that, or you can crash planets into other planets. Nice. It's nice. Giant intergalactic pachinko machine. What can Ooh. I say? <laughs> Hit the lever. <laughs> Indeed. All right, we're gonna do news after the break, and Konami will be on the table for a carbon. We'll be. Don't you worry. Indeed, it's gonna be fun. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final hour or so of the Co-Optional Podcast, and we introduce the news. Woo! Let's talk about the news. I can't it's... wait. Yeah. <laughs> You feign enthusiasm so well. No one could ever possibly <laughs> discover Look, your always, true feelings. I'm always down to talk about uh, the shitlords of the gaming industry, and I feel like we're going to touch on that today. So let's do it. It might happen. It may very well. Let's start with Konami in that in that real. Oh, yes. Oh, my. <laughs> Here we go. Mediocre! <laughs> <laughs> what oh, is... I've waited a long, long time for this. <laughs> I, I will take this off in a second because it's impossible to hear me through it. But, uh, but yes, I, felt uh... like, I felt like the aesthetic was needed. Yes. We have experienced <laughs> it. <laughs> The, the main thing is that that's now a thing that has happened in our lives, and we can forever look back on that moment. Well, so yeah, this great. thing costs 70 bucks. I've got to get my money back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but I will put on the gloves, because yeah. we are talking about Konami. Indeed. Well, we will not be discussing erotic violence, so none of that. And we will not be discussing the lever, either. Or the lever, as oh, we oh. accurately call it in the UK. We will be discussing, however... Something which is a little bit related to Konami. It's about the Phantom Pain, Metal Gear Solid Five, mm -hmm. And it's about the way that it was reviewed. And this is something that some of you probably know about and some of you maybe are completely unfamiliar with because this is a thing that's been around in the games industry for quite some time, but it's coming back into focus as a result of the Phantom Pain. And it is called the Review Event. Now, the Review okay. Event is... Something they actually described it as a boot camp of sorts. I'm sorry, if Konami ever said, Do you want to go to the Konami boot camp? I'd be like, Nope, nope. No, <laughs> thank you. Don't want to yeah, go. Well, no. To be fair, if they started with, Do you ever want to go to the Konami? I'd be like, No, 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 no. Even if the, 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 uh, the word after that was funeral, you know, would you, you wouldn't even say that, that, would you? Yeah, actually, no. It no. Would, uh, I'd get, because I know it'd be a waste of time. I'd get myself all dressed up and then they'd throw me out the cemetery for dancing on their grave. So, <laughs> waste of my time. Yes, the, the review gulag, as we like yes, to Yes, the like review lag. <laughs> nice, <laughs> lovely. How did I not think I of that one? It. Fuck it, there you go. That's, that's, that's lovely. That's... Good night, everybody. Okay, so according to Games Radar, for fear of spoilers, they say, Konami invited... For, yeah, this has been just because of for fear of spoilers. Sure. Yeah. yeah, all right. For fear of spoilers, Konami invited journalists to review the game at a five-day boot camp tied to a strict non-disclosure agreement. Uh, they played, apparently, between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. with no unsupervised play outside of these hours. Yeah. So they could have played for longer, but they had to be supervised outside of that. 
There's, that is a maximum playtime of 40 hours, assuming no stoppages for eating, drinking, stretching, or reality. I like that. So you're trying to complete a 35 to 50 hour game or longer, depending on your playstyle and your nature of completion, that you've been anticipating for five years in a realistic window of 30 to 35 hours. On one hand, you're finally immersed in one of the deepest, most experimental open world, blah, 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 wank, wank, wank. On the other hand, you're haunted by a TikTok race to reach the end without knowing when that is. Konami's conundrum is clear. Sending out retail review copies would lead to ruinous spoilers. But it's okay because, you know, Greg, Greg Miller's LP is fine. But the alternative is no pre-release reviews. Is it? <laughs> is that the only alternative? I'm not Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that one. I mean, I've been reviewing games for, <laughs> let's say, about eight years now. And I think... And now I might just be shooting way out of left field here. But I think there are alternatives. Mm. I do think there is, it's not just go to a go to a literal boot camp <laughs> or review after launch. There's like several dozen things in between that can be done. But Jim, you don't understand. This is the first ever story-driven video game. So it's very important that... You know what? Knowing Konami executives, they probably think that. They probably <laughs> forgot. They probably think this is the first Metal Gear Solid game. They're like, this is a big one for us. This is a brand new IP. Let's not fuck it up. On the one hand, I get the concern of spoilers. On the other hand, um, I think maybe sending out review copies is a tad more important than the possibility of that. Plus, it, here's what you do. Here's an idea. This is something that companies have done for a long time. You send along a little bit of paper that says, please don't include spoilers in your review. Mm -hmm. Done. Problem Done. solved. So easy. Incredible. I'm trying to see. I think I threw it away, but I was going to... Hang on. Look. Hold on one second. All right. So, Dodger, in the meantime... Yes. You seemed like you were... Right. Oh, we have it. See that? That's, that says until dawn at the top. I probably shouldn't be showing you this. Absolutely but, not. <laughs> uh, let me just see here. Other page. Spoilers. Please don't mention these story elements in the game because they'll ruin it for the players. Yep. They Fair do enough. this all the time. That's, that's two sheets of paper and a cardboard backing if you want to be classy. That's all you need. <laughs> it's that. It's, it's that thin. Look how thin it is. The technology just isn't there yet. You don't fucking prison. <laughs> yeah so that's an issue but there's a lot of other issues with that as well you know the spoiler thing is something this article pointed out but it completely neglected to mention most likely because they're also reviewing the game under exactly the same stipulations and probably wouldn't want to say this in the article that there are there are potential kind of bias implications in being flown off to a boot camp and by boot camp they generally mean a quite nice hotel being fed and watered and pampered and in many cases the only thing you ever need to do is to sort of talk to them as if they're important why would they call it a boot camp that seems like such a t like most of the time because i've just like full full disclosure of course uh, we'll get into uh, i have done this sort of a thing for witcher and yep. the original sin um and it, it was lovely and yes, I would absolutely say that going to do that puts some bias on me. Mm -hmm. However, I am not a critic. I do not review games. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was like, awesome. I'm going to fly somewhere that I would love to go. I'm going to play a game that I'm excited to play. Talk to the developers. You know, it's it's 
should be fun. And it was fun both times. And both of those were pitched to me as, hey, do you want to just like come over and play our game? I was like, sure. And then that's what happened. Yeah, that's you know, happening quite a lot to YouTubers, particularly over yeah. the last few years. There's yeah, been a I lot of YouTuber-focused events. Yeah, for The Witcher Three, actually, they sent me the same invite. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I don't take those ever since the whole Doritos no. Gate thing happened a few years ago. Right. Um, I basically it was a, a mix between Doritos Gate and Aliens Colonial Marines, where I just said I'm done with the preview thing, and I'm also done with going to an event that a publisher's paid for. Uh, just. It's cleaner, it's simpler, don't bother. Yeah, um, sure. Even before that, when it came to review events, as someone who, you know, even though I'm out of traditional games media, I still do written reviews. I'm still a games critic uh, at heart. And review events, I will not do. I will not do them. Um, because of the reasons Games Radar gave and more. Like, you can't accurately judge a game um, in that environment. Uh, no matter how much time they give you. I've done one review event, and it was my last one, uh, because I tried it once. Um, yeah. Like like Marivana. I, I didn't inhale the review event, uh, but I did try it. Um, it was the the reviewers inhaled your musk, however, yes, at the review my, event. my strong, commanding musk. I've been terrified ever since. <laughs> it was... I disclosed it at the time. It was mag... Uh, it was a ah, yes. PS3, the yeah. PS3 shooter, and it was possibly the worst review I ever wrote. It it was ill-informed. It was one of the very few I re regret doing because I played it at this public event. It was just a warehouse with a load of um, consoles set up, and I did not get the, the sense of the game uh, that I wanted and, and made a judgment call that I would base my review off that, and it was the wrong call. And ever since then, I'm like, you can fuck off. Like, I'm not clearly, I th I'm glad I did it just so that I have the authority to say it doesn't work. But I truly believe review events do not work for critics. You want to play it in an environment you're comfortable with, you want to play it on your time, ideally, you know, in a, in a, a way that, in a, at a pace you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in your own surroundings, where you would play games, because that's how you judge a game. Like, how much fun am I having with this game? Playing it where I play my games in my chair um, on my equipment. Yeah, you know. And you don't want to. And there's also that risk of them currying favor as well. I remember for I forget which Call of Duty it was, but there was one where you got a free helicopter ride, and they gave you helicopter helmets with your gamer tag on it. And I'm like. You know what? I don't mind getting the odd that weird bit of shit. It's gonna impress mail, people. But... Like I don't care who you are. That's gonna impress yeah. someone. And I, I've I've read critics saying, "Oh no, this was so passe for me." You know, they were talking about jet ski rides and things like that. It's odd. No, but that wouldn't affect us at all. It's like, yes, it did. You're you're not a robot. You're absolutely you're impressed. Even at a trade show, why do you think at an industry focused trade show like something like E3, even if you can call it industry focused these days, but why do you think those booths are as fancy as they are? Why was there a twenty or twenty-five foot tall Titan? You know, for Titanfall. Why yeah. did they build that? Because they are looking to impress you. And yes, that stuff does affect you in some way. It, it becomes more memorable. You know, what are you going to remember? The game with the 25-foot-tall fucking Titan or the little indie game on the iPad in the corner 
Yeah, which yeah. one? Are you, which one are you going to remember? It's they marry your experiences to something else, so that when yes. you think back to the time you played a game, you think back to the nice hotel, you think back to the the helicopter ride or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I did it the once in I think God, that was two thousand eight. That's actually the last time I was in Britain. I flew back to Britain for it. Um, blimey, I need to go back to the home country. Uh, but yeah, first time I did it, last time I did it, I've been given. Uh, opportunities to do it again. I've always said no. I've had publishers say, well, look, because Konami, as much as I hate Konami and Konami is the worst and fuck Konami, um, they're not the only one that's done this kind of thing before. No, um, absolutely not. Activision's done it before. A number of other publishers where it's, well, if you don't go to the re- review event, we'll send you a copy, but it's going to be on launch day. It's going to be on something like that. And it's like, I'd rather take that. I'd rather take that than go play your game. Yeah, because I, I'm not here to play. I'm not here to play your game. I'm here to play your game. You know what I'm saying? Like you do this on my time, because I'm the critic here, and I'm I'm not jumping through your hoops to do this. Yeah, you know. And and if I end up having to buy the game to do that, I'll do that because rather that than me go and and run around as your little lapdog and do things on your schedule with your PR people looking over my neck. Yeah, I went to an event. Uh, this was the last. I believe it was the last one that I did was probably in 2011. I don't believe I've done one since, unless you count the Planetside thing, which was quite literally a paid sponsored deal, you know, which was, again, fully disclosed. The one that I went to was in this weird position between a review event and between a kind of YouTuber influencer event. And it was Paradox running it, because Paradox got on the YouTuber influencer bandwagon pretty early on. They're fairly savvy. So they understood that people like myself and Angry Joe and the Yogs cast and a few other people, they were the way that they were going to get their games out there without spending a lot of money to market them. Yeah. Mm. So what they did, I remember this uh, review event very keenly because it was in a crypt in London. It was in an actual legitimate crypt. It was really quite atmospheric. And they had, they said, come here for a day. We're going to show you seven games. And you're going to get to play them for a good amount of time, including a couple of games that we haven't announced yet. And they had computers set up and they had like finger food. You know, it wasn't exactly a crazy spread. It was like, here's a sandwich, you know, you have food and water and you can talk to the devs and you can play and you can capture. And this was the big thing that actually a lot of companies have only recently cottoned onto. You have to let YouTubers actually capture something. Otherwise, they can't be asked to go. And I'm not going to fly halfway across the country if I can't come back with some footage. That yeah. I'm losing money. You know? uh, someone's asked me if it was the, uh, the limelight. It might have been, actually. I, I can't remember where it was particularly. And that, that was an interesting event because, as I said, it was, between, it was somewhere stuck between an influencer event and a review event. But here's the thing. When you get personal attention from developers, when you have people acting nice to you, and it's like, hey, let's go to the pub afterwards... That that is going to influence you in some way, and I mean, I was I'm kind of thankful that of the games that did come out of it. When I actually did look at them when they came out, they were awful, and I just that I told people so. But still, even in those situations, there's always going to be that element of bias that can kind of creep in that you don't know about. And that's the most dangerous bias is the bias that you don't recognize, you don't consciously recognize that you have it. And Absolutely. these review events allow for that to creep in 
And dodgy, yeah. your camera has yeah. been broken for a while. For I know. I'm. I came back to unmute myself and accidentally hit the camera button, and then when I turn it back on, it's just. Uh, it's... You want to try turning it off and on again? Give it a shot. Sure. Why not? Um. What I was gonna say is that for me, it's like, um, the second that there's a situation where I start to feel like I'm a developer's friend, or like. Like we could hang out very easily. I'm like, mm. oh, <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, because because I know anytime I talk about that game, if I have something negative that I want to say, there's gonna be a small bit of my whether I actually still say it or not. There's gonna be a small bit of my brain that's like, oh, I hope they're you not should. upset with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was with Mike Bithell in particular. I consider Mike Bithell to be a, something of a friend now. He's really. Only, uh, only the guys from Muse Games, who I've literally taken money from and again disclosed, and uh, Mike Bithell are the kind of the two people who I'd consider to be like friends as developers. And I feel like I have to disclose it at that point. Because... I think that's fine. I mean, I always say disclosure is king. So sure. long as you, you know, my, uh, at the Junquisition, I've got a page, the about page has a list of disclosures, you know, the games I've done voice acting in, mm -hmm. um, yeah. developers, you know, that I've I've... Uh, so games I've supported on Kickstarter, that kind of thing. Um, I think so long as you're clear about that, then people like I covered uh, the Consuming Shadow on my YouTube channel uh, game, the yeah. other week. Yahtzee's game, and obviously I worked with Yahtzee at the Escapers. We did. did two video series together. We we've um, had it. We've had drinks together, all three of us. Yeah, we yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. we're you know he's an, he's an old colleague and friend of mine. Yep. And and obviously some people will. Um, automatically disbelieve anything you have to say about the game sure uh, but that's the risk you gotta take i mean i had people because I, I like the consuming shadow like it looks visually it looks janky as hell but yes. it's, it's got a great atmosphere and i do enjoy it uh, but of course some people are like well if this was any other game by any other person you tear it to shreds and i'm like it's a bit offensive that you uh tell me what i think but at the same time the disclosures out there make your own decision um mm -hmm. i always compare this to when Superman and Lex Luthor worked together, and Superman said, "How can I trust you?" and Lex Luthor said, "You can't." Um, I think that that's the attitude you should have with any critic, any YouTuber. It's yeah. like you can't ever know for sure that you trust someone, but if they're giving you all the information, make your own decision. And I feel that's the best way to be. Um, but fuck Konami, though. I think that's that's my main <laughs> issue. I think I worry we're getting off the topic. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this this boot camp is, and I'll tell you what, this is something um, that I've not actually brought up in public yet. But I got an email from an Australian game journalist uh, who uh, it was one of those you didn't hear this from me situations. Uh, but he is uh, an actual um, writer out in Australia who says that the review events out there for uh, the Phantom Pain were allegedly in some cases five hours long. And that some reviews were were potentially based on that. Now, wow. I, I can't uh. talk to the veracity of that. I can't mm. talk to how truthful that is. Uh, but that is a rumor floating around in that territory that there in some territories. Uh, I don't think that was true of the US. I know Chris Carter from Destructoid said he put a hundred hours in. Um, but there are rumors that in some territories, like people did not get much time at all with this thing. Mm. So. Again, not sure if that's true, but that's something I've heard. And, and if so, like, just that's that's not on. Like, I don't know what Konami's playing at with this. But wow, that's Konami in a nutshell, isn't Konami it? Konami is Konami, and Konami is the worst. That is... Yes. And if anyone would like to contribute to the fuck Konami hashtag, um, hashtag F-U-C-K-O-N-A-M-I, 
It's a great hashtag. I really want to see it take off because no company deserves it better. I mean, we've seen that hashtag so many times in the chat today. <laughs> I think you're on your way. You're well on your way. I hope so. I want it to become the next craze. It's def- definitely working out there. But, uh, I mean, I wish re- review events would go and die. I mean, it's it's the digital age. You don't even have to send someone a disc anymore. You just need to send them a no. Steam code or a, pl- a PlayStation Network code or whatever. In most uh, cases, that's what happens. Like, it's so easy now. Like, yeah, I'll get an it email. is. Like, Microsoft do that for me. Um, you know, they'll send me Rare Replay or Gears of War Ultimate Edition uh, that I reviewed. Um, and it's so, so much more convenient than the old way because... Because I was trying, I was trying to get hold of the wrong person at Microsoft to get a code for Ultimate like last week, and they never got back to me. And then one email yesterday, I sent to another guy I knew, and he was like, "Oh shit, sorry." Twenty minutes later, here's a code, and it's just so much more convenient. And people seeing, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Konami still clings on to review there events. There are quite a few that are still stuck in the past when it comes to that. Yeah. It's like, Ubisoft was sending me discs until recently. I was like, I don't even have a DVD <laughs> drive anymore. Stop it. it this is. I can't do anything with this. This is now a coaster. Uh, this is what my beer so goes on. Think, Come on. Yeah, yeah so I'd, I would I would like review events to go the way of the Dodo. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a case of, yes, free stuff, free swag. That's a thing. Even if there is no free swag, you're still being often more, often than not flown out there on their dime. And I know there's a lot of websites that now have a policy of no flights. Like, we will not accept flights from people. But the problem is then, if you if you have that policy and big releases do this and you have to pay on your own dime, you end up in a situation where your business becomes financially unsustainable. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if you refuse to go altogether, well, there's always someone who won't. Who, yeah, there's always someone who will do it, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, in a lucky position where... I can review a game two weeks late and it doesn't matter to same. me. I mean, yeah. First of all, you know... I'm paid uh, via Patreon and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is, gives me a lot of independence. And also, you know, my audience comes to me for me, just as your audience comes to yep. you for you. Uh, so you can review anything whenever you want, and people will still read it because they want to know what you want to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I feel is is kind of the way a lot of critics, especially... I had this conversation with Alexander McCrace at The Escapist before I left the company there. Uh, we had a phone conversation, and he was like, you know what, I see what you're going to do. Because I told him all about the plans with the Patreon mm-hmm. thing and everything, yeah. and he said... I see what you're doing as the future for anyone who wants to maintain that integrity at the end of the day. He was like, um, it's it's the way you've got to go. You've got to have this independence to where it doesn't matter what the companies try and do to you to try and give others a competitive advantage. And it's it's just the easiest way to, to have that integrity and be able to respect the work you do. And I'm very fortunate to be in that position. I know a lot of writers can't. A lot of people aren't, yeah. Which yeah, is why a lot um, of these sites are closing down or making cuts. Yeah. Or just compromising what content they make because, you know, they have to make the kind of clickiest of bait in order to actually make sad, the money, yeah. you know, in order to keep and the I, lights I, on. I sympathize. I really especially as someone who who has had to do some of that before mm-hmm, in the past yeah. and before realizing that it was crushing my soul and I had to get out. Um, like, I sympathize with it, but goddamn, I just... It should never have been this way. And I used to say this as far back as Destructoid. It should never have been the way that the media is trying to please the publisher, that the media is jumping through the hoops of the publisher, that we're trying to keep them sweet. They should be scared of the media. Like, mm-hmm. like they, sh- they should be kowtowing to the media. Um, you know, not that the media should have unchecked power, because unchecked power is never a good thing, I don't no, think, in any situation. No, 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 no. But the power balance was 
and still is in many situations way off the scale. Um, you know, you you don't you shouldn't be afraid to that you've upset Ubisoft. Yeah, you shouldn't be, be afraid that you've because upset you know if you don't get the next review code for whatever game because you upset them, that's that's the age old problem that a lot of people have had. They're afraid yeah. of going too negative because then they don't get the next code, and then yeah, and they're I've left had, behind. And I've never had anyone tell me. Not hey, to... Dodgers camera. Hey, back. there you go. Um, I was just I've never had anyone, any editor in chief, anyone above me tell me not to review something negatively. But even so, you always get the sense that when once you've submitted that review and published it, someone is going like that, and you don't want to feel like people like above you in the management chain are go are hissing because that is because too is bias something. that too yeah, introduces and, bias and, yeah and it makes you worried and now it's it's you know i'm gonna let's face it i'm on the list for a review copy of metal gear solid yeah I, so I, are we but they've sent out no expect, pc review code yeah, so i do not expect to get it uh because you know i'm quite famously blacklisted by konami for mm. telling um what was it I told? Oh yeah, for creating trade. hashtag fuck Konami. Yeah, yeah. It actually, was my, I think it was my decision to elect myself head of Konami's PR department that really upset them. Um, when I just started, I changed my Twitter bio to it, and I just started promoting their games because they weren't doing it. So, <laughs> so I was just showing how fucked their PR department is. Um, they also didn't like some review scores I did, so I know for a fact that they uh, get pissy and try and put pressure on companies because of review scores. Um, yes, though. and. Wouldn't you say that the way that Konami created like this boot camp is a sign that they are afraid of media though? I think that the fact that yeah. The fact that so many game companies are starting to be like, "No, you can put your review out the day after." Or, "No, we're not going to give out any review copies." Don't you think that that is based in fear of the media? I think I think maybe I, I think you may be right. I think you may be right that they do fear the media. And I guess when I said fear the media, what I really should say is they, they fear it in the wrong way. Um, their fear of the media causes them to create fear among the media. Uh, they basically, they're scared of what the media might do. So they then start getting a bit threatening, a bit cajoly. And then the media gets scared and just does whatever they say. Um, rather than um, the publishers just, you know, sucking it up like they should. Uh, but you know, I think you may be right. Uh, I do know, you know, I don't know whether Konami's dealings with me were ever couched in fear. Um, I do get some people who say, "Oh, Konami doesn't give a shit what you say, Jim." Clearly, they do, um, because I have, <laughs> I, I, I have Dubious. the, I, I have direct quotes from someone who once worked in Kojima Productions, uh, who talked of me and anyone who associated with me by saying fuck those guys so they do care they definitely care um but but as i was saying like you know i'm probably gonna end up buying metal gear solid 5 it's okay um i i, I checked my budget i think i'm good for it uh and and review it that way and i always quote someone from sega when i talk about this kind of stuff because sega uh the relationship i have with them has always been this one of, of friendly rivalry but rivalry uh where they i i'm very harsh with their games but they roll with the punches and i respect that and someone from sega once said to me we would never blacklist you what's the point you just buy our games and shit on them that way and and that's a stance i can respect uh just these guys were like you know what he's gonna shit on it he might not but but 
what's the point blacklisting him? He'll just use it to self-aggrandize, as I do with Konami, oh, quite yes. shamelessly. Right, right. Um, quite shamelessly and proudly self-aggrandize and make myself look like the big I am. Uh, but I, there's no point to the blacklisting, and, and, and game media shouldn't be afraid of publishers and, and the lack of access, because... You know, Destructoid is still a scrappy independent uh, site, but, you know, we'd gotten blacklisted from places, we didn't get access, but, but we made our fame there by being us, and people came for us. I always used to say that people go to Kotaku for the news, they go to Destructoid to see what Destructoid thinks of the news, and and, I, and we're seeing that on a much larger scale now with YouTubers. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they come to see what you want to say. So, you know, I may end up reviewing The Phantom Pain a week, two weeks after it comes out, um, but I'm still on Metacritic, son, and that review's still going to stand, and my audience are going to read what I have to say, and you can't stop them because I'm Jim fucking Sterling, son, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, with YouTubers in particular, it's become abundantly clear that we have this advantage over traditional written media in that we can make a video about practically anything and we know we're going to make some money off it. Whereas you can write an article that makes, even if it gets a lot of views, makes basically nothing. YouTube is, even though YouTube has been really shittily monetized over the past like six or seven months, you know, CPM has gone through the floor, it's still a hell of a lot better than what you would get elsewhere. And... As a result, that, that gives you a degree of independence. And that allows you to do things at your own pace and look at the things that you're particularly interested in because you know your audience is loyal enough that they're going to watch it regardless. It's like, yeah. if my video is two weeks late, I'll still do well. I think it was uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel. I was a week and a half late, and I've what's the amount on that that I've got? Because it's more than most... Uh, it was uh, 546,000 views. You know. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Angry, Angry yeah. Joe's the same. Like, has Angry Joe ever done a review on Embargo Time? Like, uh, it's I don't think so. Like, it's always a week so. or so <laughs> out. And he, he just rakes in views like you would not believe. Yeah, I mean, he's the king of that. Yeah. The absolute they king. They want to see he's what a, he says. He's unbeatable on that one. You know, he crushes everybody. Uh, on when it comes to sheer numbers when he actually and i knew him when out. he was when he was a little boy like when he was he was the guy who got schooled by jeff Keeley in that interview once like, oh I knew he's, him when yeah he was... he's uh i wouldn't say he's never lived that i think he learned a lot from that actually i, I know yeah. joe pretty well you know he's a cool i know guy. i love joe like I'm, i didn't mean to put him down like i, yeah. I love joe to bits like I, as i say i know him when i was at destructoid and he was running his own little independent site yeah. and seeing his growth like he was one of those guys who saw Way before I did, I was slow to wake up, but he saw which way the wind was blowing, and he has, he has just exploded. And I've got nothing but respect for that. Like I love what he does, and and yeah, I just I, I love I love the YouTube uh, and and other ways of getting independence uh, through Patreon, like with what kind of fun he does, or, or through any other means. He's paying off for some people. Uh, a lot of the more outspoken voices who who perhaps were under threat of being squashed by some manager somewhere or or some parent company. Yeah, and, it's like people that have personalities are yeah. the ones that are successful on YouTube. It's that simple. And and it's all coming together, and I couldn't be happier. And and I just keep keep my fingers crossed that some of these attempts to make little little PR inroads into YouTube uh, don't become too ubiquitous. 
uh, and we can maintain that sense of independence that, that these indie critics have because because it's very important and you know pr inroads are certainly something that a lot of people have been trying to do and it's continuing to happen. You know, the amount of YouTuber influencer events, which are quite similar to review events, have massively increased over the course of the last couple of years. If you see pre-release footage of a popular game on a bunch of YouTuber sites, the chances are, well, YouTuber sites, YouTuber channels, chances are they all went to the same review event to do it. And usually they, they should tell you that, but a lot of them don't. So you do need to kind of watch out for that because you don't know if they're getting a, quite literally a back rub while they're playing that game. It's possible. They might be. It's, it's, it's just something that's important to know. Uh, yeah. That, that it's very rare. When, when is the last time that you ever saw a bad preview of a AAA game? You know, it's, it generally doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because they show you the best bits in the optimal environment. You know? And sometimes it's really, really dodgy, as we saw with Shadow of Mordor. Sometimes it's quite literally... Yes. You are signing an agreement to not say negative things about this in order to show this early. And sometimes it's just a case of, yeah, we're going to a review event or we're going to a, a YouTuber event where you're allowed to capture footage and put up an early video, which is like, hey, you know, we're doing Let's Play. And that's fine. You know, ultimately, Let's Players don't claim to be critics, but simultaneously, they're still influential. So yeah. it's the sort of thing you do need to watch out for. I mean, I just... Sit careful. It upsets me because I've never had one of those offers never had one of those you can't say anything negative about the game or any of that kind of stuff um and i just wish i i wish you just want someone could toss one toss one my way because the laughter like this the video of me laughing as at it <laughs> would you know i'd get at least 50 views on that Absolutely. and and i would be thrilled to have them um, but yeah, I mean, fortunately, I've, I've always been lucky enough to work with guys like Nero with Destructoid who just kind of let me do my own thing. And, and, and many publishers know better than to try and do anything too dodgy with me because they've seen what happens. They've seen how I run with that shit to the point. Because I'm a petty, petty man. And I, was I gonna will. Say, you're, you're, you have uh, beaten the digital homicide horse into the ground and you're still beating it. See oh what yeah, comes I mean, we, out, you know. We had the funeral years ago, and I just dug it right back up to keep on. <laughs> I'm a petty man, and and most uh, publishers seem to understand that. Um, even some of the big ones, like uh, you know, I've got anonymous messages from people in electronic arts before. Uh, I did a video called "Why Do We Hate EA," where I explained why we hate EA. And it was just this anonymous, someone anonymous at EA just sent a message that just said, uh, you may hate us, but we still love you. And it was a picture <laughs> of a cat. Because <laughs> <And it was laughs> the individuals in these companies are often pretty cool. You know, course, it's the yeah. entity itself that I hate. Mm -hmm. But, right. you know, most, especially going independent, I thought I'd see a lot more companies do um, what, say, Square Enix have done when they've kind of shot me out a bit. Um, but I was shocked to see that so many of them are surprisingly supportive of the independent spirit. Um, you know, companies like Microsoft have, have kept sending me stuff and Sony and, and all the these big ones um, because I, I do think most of them understand the value of having that independent voice, having that gamble out there. The guy who might love your fucking game and have it mean so much because he has a reputation for being a bit harsher. Um, it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. It, it, I, a, a 10 out of 10 and I don't want to sound arrogant but I will and I'm not too sorry for it 
But a 10 out of 10 from Jim Sterling means a heck of a lot more than a 10 out of 10 from some other places because because you won't see it often. And, and companies that know their shit know that's worth gambling on. They know it's worth, he could give us a two, he could give us a 10, but roll the dice and see what happens. And most companies have the brains to do that. Uh, not Konami, they have donkey brains. That's a bit insulting to donkeys, don't you think? Dead donkey brains. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do releases, because otherwise we're going to be here all bloody day, aren't we? There's quite a lot to cover. Most of this looks awful, lot. I'm going to be honest, but okay. All right, let's just... Uh... Let's get into it. August 25th, a.k.a. today, we've got Nyctophobia, which I was just looking at on Steam, and is the graphics don't look fantastic. Most of the reviews say it's not actually that scary, but... It's yeah, kind of mixed. It's a horror game. I love that hanging skeleton. That's comical. Me it looks too. like it like, was bought from a party city. You know, it's like, what yeah. is this? That's definitely yeah. on my to-do list, that one. Oh, yes. All right, next. Uh, next up is Evoland 2. Mm, I'm actually looking forward to looking at this because the first Evoland was interesting. It was like, as you went through the game, it changed the mechanics and the uh, aesthetic to uh, replicate various retro games throughout the ages. And they're kind of doing the same thing with okay. that. So it was like, I, I give it like a six out of ten or something. Uh, it, was it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, interesting um, idea. Yeah, and I, I like the idea that they're getting a second crack of the whip too, because it wasn't very expansive. It was a very no. short thing. It was a neat so, idea though. Yeah. I mean, but hell, I'm looking good. at one of these screenshots, and it looks like at one point it becomes a a fighting game, like a literal one on one fighting game, just out nice. of nowhere. And then there's like platforming 2D bits. There's the uh, top-down sort of Chrono Trigger view. There's an action RPG by the looks of it in there. It looks interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So that'll be cool. Uh, next up is... No next up is Nova 111, which is a quirky sci-fi turn-based adv adventure game. Turn-based adventure game? With innovative twist of real-time action. So it's not turn-based then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, then. Well, it's innovative in that it's not what it says it is. Wow. Uh, this is a bit of the dialogue from the game. Wow, this place is locked up tighter than a mother's biscuit cupboard. <laughs> I don't Innuendo. <laughs> next. Uh, next up is Mega Man Legacy Collection. It's Mega Man games. Played that. Yep. Played that. Expected. Bunch of Mega Man games. Yep. Next, um, and actually, in fairness, it does have a nice little retro remix mode where you oh, okay. play through different like selections of levels and little challenge things. That's cool, but for the most part, it's, it's just fucking Mega Man games. All right, next. Uh, next up is Party Hard. Which yep, we which we did already. talk about earlier. Murder, murder of party goers. It's, I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to trying that one out. It looks very silly. Uh, Crooks, the big heist. This is a stupid name for a video game. It is Crooks with a Z, for some reason. Mm -hmm. it, but cool. it is a tactical strategy game set in the funky 1970s with a slick and groovy atmosphere. Show off the art of thieving mm. by plotting stylish heists and robberies using espionage and quick thinking to avoid detection. We're getting quite a few heist games lately, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that one's any good. Next is Capsule Force. Uh, all right, then. Uh, Capsule Force. Da-da-da-da-da. Battle for Control of the Galaxies in a frantic multiplayer action game straight out of a 1980s space anime. 
There you go. There's something for you. Actually, yeah, I'm looking at the aesthetic. It is very, very much that. Very, like, old Sailor Moon sort of thing. Uh, grab the capsule to capture the galaxy before your enemy captures theirs. Blast shots, defend stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a 2D action game. All right. All right. Uh, next up, Age of Survival. Is this another I survival saw that on game? I saw that on Steam before we recorded, and I, before I clicked on it, I said, I bet this is in early access. It is. It's in early access. Yeah, what is it with these games with survival? Like, not a single I don't know what it is one. about them that they have to be in early access. There just seems to be this unwritten rule now, but it looks like all the other ones. Yeah, I mean, why release a complete game when you can literally sell millions of copies of a proof of concept that never gets finished? But it's yeah. okay, because you can encounter creatures like boar, elephants, lions, and hippos. Oh my. Oh. Exciting. Mm. Mm. Next. Next up is he Hegemony. Yeah, I think, I think it's he Hegemony. He he I think it's he hegemony. hegemony 3, Clash of the Ancients. Yes. Uh, it is a Greek strategy game, essentially. Kind of a Greek war game. Real-time war game. All right. Uh, next up, we have Shelter 2 Mountains. Is that DLC for Shelter 2? I want to assume so. Yep, it is. So that that was the game where the first game you played a badger, but in Shelter 2 you play a lynx, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You have a billion babies. And then they get next carried off it's... by eagles. <laughs> and it's very no! upsetting. <laughs> I lost one of my babies and it was the saddest thing in the world. Uh, next up is Steins Gate for PS3 and Vita. You know all about that. It's a visual novel, right? Very uh -huh. good one, so I'm told. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where everybody's like, "Hey, are you when's when are you gonna play Steins Gate?" And I'm like, "Never," but enjoy it. It is very good. Uh, Madden NFL 16 for PS4. It's a card game, right? Which is another. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a MOBA, right? It's, it's, that... Yeah, it's what it's one of those MOBAs. Yeah. Madden collect collectible MOBA card games. Perfect. <laughs> Um, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which we talked about. Chest High Wall Simulator. Um, Amnesia Memories. It's not an Amnesia game, before you think about that. Yeah, that was the first... Uh, someone That's what I was wondering. I know all about that on my Ask page. They were like, this isn't the Amnesia game we wanted. No, no, no it does not appear to be. It's, uh, it's a visual novel, by the looks of it. Yep, it is a visual novel. Yep. Cool. Uh, Dengeki Buko, Bunko Fighting Climax. What? <laughs> Do you you want to repeat more that? Anime <laughs> Denge Dengeki Bunko Fighting Climax. I just wanted to hear someone say that again. Like, just what? <laughs> there are some video game names, Japan. There are some video game names. That is certainly one <laughs> of them. I, what, what is it? I mean, I assume it's a fighting game. I don't know. I don't, yep, two D arcade fighting game. It's a, it's a climactic fighting Perfect. game. One Full of the of developers Funko. is called wow. French Bread. There you go. What? Oh, good. It is. Which is a bit weird. It's um, like this is oh, the most I'm Japanese French... things I've ever heard. Developed by French Bread. What? <laughs> I'm I'm French Bread, creator of Denkiki Bunko. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing considering. Next. Next uh, is Capsule Force again. again yep. And then we have Ascendant for PS4. Side-scrolling roguelike roguelite thingy. It's really pretty and quite fun. I liked it a lot on PC. Cool. Uh, back to Bed for PS4, 
PlayStation 3 and Vita. That, that, that was a prize winner, if I recall correctly. There's a European indie prize, I think, that this one won. Just trying to find out exactly what it is. Yes, it... Um, Indie Prize Europe's nominee for Best Console Game and winner of the Dutch Game Awards Guts and Glory Award. You play Bob the Sleepwalker, Sue Bob, his man-faced dog guardian, and the surrealist dream puzzle <laughs> world from the minds of bedtime digital games, apparently. Man-faced ah, dog guardian, well, sold. Absolutely. What more could you, you ask go. for? Uh, I'm going to have to remember next that. On the list I start is... my gameplay videos with Oh, sorry, I think we're out of audio sync. I apologize. We were a little bit there. We're getting a little bit of Skype lag, but it's okay. It's all good. I'll keep my big mouth shut. Next. <laughs> Next is Capsule Force again. Why is this on the, the list weird. three times? Like, I don't um, know. So actual next is called Coated. 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 This is on Steam, I assume. It is. It's $5. It actually just came out right this second. Uh, Coated oh, is a okay. world made of colors. Coat yourself. Uh, oh, my. To uh, solve puzzles. It is a game, an adventure, and a lesson. A lesson? Interesting. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. That's some arrogant game. <laughs> and just, a lesson. This is a lesson. We're going to teach you a thing, Goo. All right. Okay. Try trying. All right. Next is fish or die. <laughs> what? Fish or die. Fish you heard the man. Die. Holy shit. Enter a fishing tournament. Climb the leaderboard with your five biggest trophy fish. Try not to get snagged, lose your lures, or damage your bass boat. Sell fish to earn yep. cash for tackle store. It literally says just that. Um, wow. I don't see the death part of it anywhere. In fact, everyone looks fairly Fish friendly. Fish or die. Really. Fish or die. Metaphorically. Yeah, okay, yeah. Die a little <laughs> inside if you play this game. Yeah, maybe, yeah, but. die inside. Die because you'll never if you don't sell win. enough fish at the tackle store, then you will have no food. You could. You know, you could live in a yeah. very cruel capitalistic country which does not offer social support, so you may die. It's possible. And it's a lesson. Uh, it's a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Next up is called Arclight Cascade. Uh, in the Arclight arena, you fend off glass drones and other player pilots by swiping. Swiping? This is PC, guys. Swiping? This is a mobile port, isn't it? <laughs> but you have oh. a giant laser sword, apparently. So you can oh. four-way saber clashing combat. There you go. Perfect. Next is called Mighty Switch Force Academy. Oh, yeah. Kind of. I mean, I've heard of the Mighty Switch Force series. I played Legit one of them. Uh. Um, they're by Wayford. Wayford are kind of hitting this. They do some. Mm -hmm. They did the Aliens game on DS. Uh, Aliens Infestation, which was oh, bloody that brilliant. It was actually great, yeah. I loved it. If I recall correctly, isn't Jake Kaufman a composer for Mighty Switch Force? The guy that did the soundtrack to Shovel Knight? I think he Maybe. is. Maybe. I know there's some bleed over with those kinds of guys, yeah. Yeah, it's apparently part puzzle, part party, and partly developed. It's an early access game. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's classy. Uh, uh, at least way forward admit that. Uh, they're upfront yeah. about that. I can yeah. respect that. Okay. Uh, Next up is Celestial Tear, Demon's Revenge. Celest uh, hmm. Why have I heard of this one before? 
It's an episodic RPG, apparently. The episodic RPG that very much looks like it was made in RPG Maker. Very uh, much so. I'm good. having a look at it. I was like, oh, those look familiar. All right. But it's okay. 2D retro pixel art. You know, we need more of that. Yeah. Okay. Next. Next is uh, starting on August 26th. We have Otherland. Mm, an action-packed, massively multiplayer online role-playing game based on Tad Williams' highly acclaimed novels. I have never mm. heard of those. Anybody? Tad Williams? Anybody? Nope. It's got Next. techno airships in it. Hmm. Right, I'm going to start reading Tad Williams then. Yeah, that actually techno looks really airships. cool. The screenshots look quite impressive, but I don't know how the game's going to be. Uh, next up is called Cult Heretic Kingdoms. Cult with a K. Cult, cult with, with a K. K. So we are, we're on so you know page. that's a hardcore cult. It's a isometric action kingdom. RPG thingy is what it is. And it was released in 2004. <laughs> Thanks, Steam. <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> Super Kane Magic Zero in all caps. Why? <laughs> it's a Good question. Because uh, canes are hardcore. They're oh like my a third God. leg. Holy shit. When Ah, the dog, eats a powerful magic cane, the world falls into chaos. Collect <laughs> items, eat or throw them, survive the reality transforming spells, and defeat your enemies in the three different modes of this crazy action RPG. Starring Ah, the dog. Ah! Ah, is, is he a man-faced dog? Because uh, no nope. man-faced dog. He's a dog-faced dog. Imagine ah. a subverted world where a powerful magic cane ends up in the pawns of a dog. Mm. Imagine a world where spelling was not real. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> hey, right, the art next. style for this is actually fucking awesome. I've got to try this out, but unfortunately it is early access. Maybe this is coming out of early access now. I don't know. Anyway, next... Next is a game called Sound Shift. Mm. Sound Shift, not Sound Dodger. That's a different game entirely. A VJ style music visualizer mixed with a simple arcade shooter. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. All right. Next. Cool. Next is Farm Frenzy Heave Ho. Why are there more of these? There are so many. Do you want to know how many Farm Frenzy? Farm Frenzy, Farm Frenzy 2, Farm Frenzy Pizza Party. That's a game. <laughs> Far Frenzy 3. Farm Frenzy 3 American Pie. Farm Frenzy Hurricane Season. These are all Brilliant. on Steam. Now we have Farm, Farm Frenzy. Frenzy Jason Lives. <laughs> Farm Frenzy versus Jason. <laughs> versus Predator. <laughs> oh, God. Oh all right. Next. Next is Arflex. R-F-L-E-X in all caps. That's that's clever because it's reflex, but not uh, a uh, fast, challenging neo-arcade game. And by neo-arcade game, we mean we're only allowed to display two colors at once, which is orange and black, apparently. Perfect. Yeah, all right. Uh, next is Lamia Must Die. But why? <laughs> For what but, reason? But why? Why must Lamia die? Because she is a horrible monster. This is obviously also made in RPG Maker. A horrible monster has been doing unspeakable things to the citizen. Just Apparently it's just mm. one citizen. One day one a paladin citizen. leaves several other heroes towards the cave where the monster lies in. That mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Alright. 
Why Next. must we kill this beast, Lamia? She has been fucking with a citizen. Oh, <laughs> Liam! She's been soiling his underclothes when he puts them out to dry. She must die! Bring me the paladin! <laughs> it has an awards section. Third uh -huh. place in encounters of boss kind contest. Apparently. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god. Uh, yes. So this is basically a free RPG maker game by the looks of it. With a, You seem to be fighting a, a naga with large breasts. That appears to be it. Oh dear. Steam, okay. steam, steam, yep. steam. Next up is on August 27th, Dead in Bermuda. Bermuda? All right. There's a free demo for this if you want to try it out. It is a survival management game. Apparently, it's not early access. With RPG and adventure elements, lead a team of eight survivors from a plane crash, assign them to tasks, gain experience, develop your survival skills, and craft new items. Yeah, so it's kind of it sort of like one of those uh, sort of spreadsheet management games, kind of like uh, Rebuild, you know, that zombie game and things like that. I actually would play those. I play a lot of those on iOS. They're generally pretty fun. And there's a demo, so hey, give it a shot. Cool. Next is called Franbo. Franbo, a creepy adventure mm -hmm. game that tells the story of Fran, a young girl struggling with a mental disorder and an unfair destiny. All right. Uh -huh. Next is, is called Ravenmark's Ravenmark Scourge of Estellian. I played this years ago at a PAX, and it's a it's a turn-based war game that was on mobile that I thought was really, really good. Like it was it was really in depth for a mobile game. And I'm pretty sure it didn't do that well as a result because it was an actual like, hey, pay money for this. And people are like, no, want to play Candy Crush. But yeah, actually, this might be worth a look if the PC port is good because I actually enjoyed this a lot. It was a really good in-depth kind of turn-based fantasy war game on iOS. Pretty cool. Cool. Uh, next up is Runbow for Wii U. Runbow? What's all that about then? Runbow, an action party game with a unique art style. Actually, it does have a pretty cool art style. And a sequel to Franbow. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it is. Oh, it's one of those asymmetric games. So you, uh, the guy with the gamepad is the color master. And he controls the colors and obstacles in the level. And then everyone else kind of tries to run through it. So he can fuck with people on the fly using the thing. And apparently it supports nine-player local multiplayer. You need a shitload of controllers for that, but yeah. Huh, that's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, next is called Country Tales. Oh, that's an awe-inspiring title. I bet it's about the country. It's about the Wild West. Explore the Wild West and help Ted and his friends in their adventures, apparently. Uh, that's all it says. But it has hundreds of quests, apparently, in the West. Ah. I, I don't uh, know what that is. Next is Calvino Noir. Calvino Noir. More noir games, always good. It's a film noir stealth game. A sneaking okay, adventure through the 1930s European criminal underworld. Oh, huh. goodness. You sneak and you steal and you apparently knock people out in the 30s in a noir setting. That's kind of cool. cool. Huh. All right. All right. Uh, next up is called Layers of Fear. The worst cake. 
It's a psychedelic horror. <laughs> you got you got it in a it took you a few, but you got it. Uh, where yeah. you take control over an insane painter in his quest to finish his magnum opus. Interesting. Huh. All right. <laughs> Early access. Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing History 2, The Slave Trade. What wow. The <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. That... Green light. <laughs> I covered that one. Did you? I actually, I've covered that one on my Best of Sting Greenlight trailers series where I look at... Oh, my Look at the best God. of the worst. That's the reaction it this gives. This got through Greenlight. How the yeah. fuck? I'm sorry, I'm looking now... at this and... <laughs> Holy shit. Now, basically, it's like some sort of educational adventure game where you are um, uh, a guy getting slaves uh, in slave times. And slave times. there's this <laughs> captain pirate guy who's constantly belittling you going oh you just constantly berating you because you're a slave um and then at one point you've got to you've got to put the slaves in the ship by playing tetris with them they're all bent and and you have to put the slaves in the ship in tetris now it's it's aimed to be an educational affair, yeah it says but... target audience 8 to 14 years old it actually 14. says it's on the steam page playing slave tetris what and the fuck I, covered, wow. I think i covered this like like a long time ago and i never expected to hear it again but slave tetris that's all you need to know about playing history too Slave Tetris. This actually won an award for the category of best learning game in Europe. Uh, It's called the BETT Award, a celebration of inspired creativity and innovation for education. Apparently, this is it is a educational game. Like they are absolutely claiming this. Playing history, uh, as far as I can tell, because I've seen that come up on Greenlight before. The other one wasn't worth doing because it didn't have slave fucking tetris in it (laughs) slave tetris wow okay but yeah playing history is a series of educational games and and i'm sure it actually has some educational yeah probably yeah clearly it won awards and shit but just on the face of it the the game they presented in the trailers it's just what the fuck (laughs) that does seem a little tasteless but ultimately I also read horrible histories, and they were all tasteless, and I remember loads of it as a result. So, who true. knows? That Maybe it does work, you know? But, ugh, I might have okay. to give it yeah. a chance. All right. Well, uh, well then, moving on. Mm-hmm. August 28th, we've got One Piece Pirate Warriors 3. How many of these bloody games are there? There's quite a few. Three, three apparently. That, thanks, I meant One Piece games, but okay. Thanks, Dodger. There, there are a lot of those, yeah. I think there's still more Naruto games, and there's still mm. more Dragon Ball games than there are Naruto games. But, yeah. That's a nice Anything that's ever gotten big on Shonen Jump has had billions of games. Oh, and it's developed by Koei Tecmo. So, and published by Bandai Namco. That means the PC port's gonna be just it's brilliant, guys. It's gonna be guys. a shit show of a <laughs> it's game. It's gonna be awful, probably. <laughs> Uh, that might be uh, one for the frame rate police list. We'll see. Most of their other games are, but all right. It's one of the few Warriors games I can't play because I've got no experience with One Piece. So it always makes me sad. It's like I keep telling myself I'm going to watch it so I can get it, but I never do. <gasps> oh, Jim, join me in my quest to watch all three billion One Piece episodes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. 
We shall gather our provisions and sally forth ah, to One Piece I've been land. naming all of my dodos in Ark after One Piece characters. And, and guess I, where like, you can we're... watch those one billion One Piece episodes? On Crunchyroll! Crunchyroll.com slash Total Biscuit, the sponsors of this show. There you go. Anyways. Tie next in. game is called Caveman Craig. A unique strategy and survival game, according to them, set in a prehistoric world of dinosaurs and cavemen. Not historically accurate, well, apparently. Yeah. Uh, next. All guns on deck. If this isn't piracy, I'll be very, very upset. Uh, all guns on deck. Naval strategy real-time action RPG. Oh, that looks... That's... There's no pirates. These are... These appear to be military ships. What the hell is this? That is a really weird art style. Wow. Are those fireworks? That's a... That's a fucking steam paddle boat. What is this? This is... There's a fucking VTOL airship. Well, it's it's going to be memorable from the sounds of it. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> okay. All right, All right, then. Next. Next is a game called Xenocide, which is apparently a top-down shooter that has mutants in it. Okay. Fair enough. Next. Satellite Rain for PC, Mac, and Linux. That is the uh, spiritual revival of Syndicate, and I am looking forward greatly to it. Next. Uh, next is called... Mountain Crime Requital. It is a hidden object game, by the looks of it. Perfect. Next is called Iggy's Egg Adventure. I actually have code for this. It, I, I, I did double take at it a little bit in my inbox. It is a prehistoric platformer 75 million years in the making, though I must admit it does not look it. Uh, you play a baby velociraptor. There you go. Okay. Uh, next up is called Karamble. Karamble. It is a brick-breaking game in a physics-based world like you've never played before. I beg to differ, but okay. Next. Next is called Azure Striker Gunvolt. Oh, that's finally on PC. That one was on 3DS, if I recall correctly. It's a kind of side-scrolling Mega Man-esque action game. It's pretty pretty all right. Uh, next is called Raisinroth. I tried to type it into Google, and this it was like, do you mean Azeroth? And now I'm lost. No. And I th this would be the last one on the list today, I believe. Raisinroth is an action shooter with a dark atmosphere, with roguelike and RPG elements, because apparently all of them have to have that now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a top-down... It's a... Yeah, it's a top-down roguelite, basically, with basic shooting. Uh, technically, we should go through the 31st, because the 31st is Monday. You see, I was trying to avoid that, but okay. All right. <laughs> Just saying, there's only a couple in the God 31st damn it. list. All right. Okay. On August 31st, we've got Stasis. It's a point and click sci fi horror adventure game played from an isometric perspective. Cool. Interesting. Uh, right. Next up, we've got a game called Sacred Line. Sacred Line. Mm. Uh, it is DLC for something called The Last Dogma. Which is a surreal dark comedy that apparently a lot of people really don't like. So, all right then. Oh, I saw that. That yeah, I put that on my uh, potential to do list for squirty play stuff. Yeah. Someone described it as Deadly Premonition plus Killer Seven plus the Stanley Parable, but it has very negative reviews. That, in its way, looks interesting. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Mm, indeed. Uh, next up is called Steam a Lot: Epic's Journey. Says it's a medieval steampunk tactical card game. 
Hey, that's right. Up my alley. Sounds like your shit. So enjoy Absolutely. that. Yep. Uh, we've got Immortal Defense. Wow, that's finally out. That was a Desura game like years ago. It's a kind of weird variant on Tower Defense. It's been out for ages, that one. Uh, and the last one for the day is called Rememoried. That is a terrible name. A surreal exploration game. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Enjoy. What, the what? end. End of releases. <laughs> gameplay. The basic element of gameplay is the ability to forget apparently huh all right enjoy that game okay oh all right there's your games for this week folks and of course if we didn't already mention it did we mention until dawn because if we didn't then that's out today and according yes. to jim you should probably yeah. think about it i should, i'm going to download it after the show actually I'd certainly look. I, I I have a video of it up on my channel if you're interested what's the frame rate like jim bit, it's 30 in it i bet it's 30 <laughs> I might put I up with it. it was, I thought it was 60. It might be. If like, it I, is, I that would be my lovely. Eyes, I think my eyes just need testing. I need new glasses because a lot of other people <laughs> said it's not 60, so it's probably 30. I can't imagine why your glasses would cause you any problems, really, when it comes to perception. They look totally fine to me. Oh, yeah. They, they, these are my game-playing glasses. Yeah. Um, or as someone in the chat said, they make me look like a potato with bug eyes. So... <laughs> Oh, you're a bunch of assholes. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Thank you very much for watching. And uh, next Tuesday, we will be inviting Slow Beef to the show. We're going to see how that one works out. We'll see. Hopefully, it works out pretty well. Uh, before we do our little uh, shout outs and plugs, I would like to plug a particular project that both myself and I know J Jim has been uh, promoting this a little bit as well is over on kickstarter it's by a veteran of the industry a man named russ pitts who is doing an extension of a series he did a few years ago uh, which i believe was it was called the uh the human human element i think or something along those lines human angle that was it yes uh it was actually on polygon a few years ago and it's a series of short documentary films about various people within the games industry he did a really good one on the voice actor for john marston uh for uh, red dead redemption he did another one on the uh, guys uh, behind clay the fellows that made don't starve and shank and things like that and he's looking to raise money to do a series of these again and i'm going to be one of them uh mike bithell is going to be another one and of course uh alumni of the show miracle of sound who we are all aware of because he does the podcast with jim and he's done the podcast with us as well gavin dunn he's going to be part of it uh, lorne lanning the creator of odd world so there's going to be some really no jim sterling one though no Fuck not you, yet Russ. not yet that's a stretch goal right he's also going to be doing one with john romero as in you know the doom guy that everybody knows that's and gonna be exciting there's some really good stuff on youtube if you want to check out his previous work if you look up human angle there's some really great stuff. The, the John Marston episode in particular is really, really awesome. It's well-filmed, really cool stories. And if you want to check that out on Kickstarter, you can. I'm putting a link in the description below this video on YouTube. And I'm popping one in the uh, in the chat right there if you do want to back it. Every dollar's appreciated. The, the goal's fairly lofty, but that's how much it costs to travel around and make that kind of stuff. So if you do want to back it, that would be cool. You get to see inside my office. It's really exciting. Yeah. I'm sure he'll make it more interesting than that, but there you go. 
All right, that pretty much wraps the show up today, but would, of course, love you to go and check out our channel. So, Jim, what's coming up on the channel and, of course, your website this week? Right, well, what's coming up? Uh, over on the gymquisition.com. Don't go on gymquisition.com. It takes you to hentai. Thegymquisition.com. Oh, my. Uh, we've, oh, yes. Uh, we've got a review. The review of Until Dawn is up. Uh, we have the Gears of War Ultimate Edition review is up. Um, at some point, we'll have a review for the Phantom Pain. Um, all sorts of cool stuff. I've been doing a lot more editorials. There's some stuff talking about uh, some dodgy green light practices, some controversy with the darkest dungeon devs. Mm -hmm. uh, Podquisition, of course, will be up on um, Thursday. Uh, I do that with Miracle of Sound, Gavin, and uh, Laura Kate, who you had last week, and who yep. I won't have a bad word said against. She's a, a wonderful, wonderful woman, hard worker, um, queen of the butts, and that will be uh, a great show, I'm sure. Uh, and over on the Jim Sterling YouTube channel, uh, just the usual shit, really. I've uh, got an Until Dawn video up right now. Uh, Jimquisition went up, talked about uh, microtransactions in uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and other games. And, yeah, just generally I upload at least one video a day, usually more. Uh, and we'll probably have something up this afternoon as well, if I can be asked. Yeah, apparently we killed your site. It's dead. Oh, good. Well... I've upgraded that thing, like, already, and I'm going to have to keep upgrading it, because every yeah, time it's something... Over. Like... Yeah, it's fallen over. To be fair, the co-optional DDoS has a tendency of destroying almost anything it touches, so... It yeah, I really need to. Every time I do a big review, it happens, so I need to... I need another upgrade. This is, this is costing me money, so please give to my Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Dodger, what's coming on your channel this week? What's going on? Oh my god. I have to pee so bad, so here it is. Find me on youtube.com slash pressart to continue. I play butt-touching games, visual novels, dating sims. I do point and click sometimes. I also do a weekly show about the games industry. You can find me on all the social medias at Dexbonus, D-E-X-B-O-N-U-S, and I do stream on twitch.tv slash dexteritybonus. I'll be at PAX starting, uh, well, I'll be in Seattle starting on Thursday. I actually leave tomorrow night, so I'll be gone for like ugh, five days, something like that. I'll be coming back on yep, Tuesday. You will not so not be you... back on the show next week, yep. I will not be back on the show next week, so if you see me uh, while you're at PAX, if you're going to be at PAX, please feel free to say hi. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be super fun, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Off you go. Watch bush. I'll, I'll do my thing oh, now. Okay. It's all right. Oh, I'll, I'll tag up the Skype call afterwards. Here, here we go. All right. Yeah, you can uh, check me out over at YouTube.com slash CynicalBrit. If you so desire, there's probably going to be a lot of Hearthstone over the next week or so because the new expansion's out, which means I'm making lots of silly decks. I am going to be trying to look at the flock, most likely. We'll see what my conclusion on that one is. I There's there's actually a lot of stuff that just came out on Steam that I really want to look at. Everland 2, Party Hard. But you know that I probably won't get the time. I'm working on it. I'm trying, honestly. And might stream a little bit this week. That of course, might happen over at twitch.tv slash totalbiscuit. And if you missed my StarCraft content, that's at youtube.com slash totalbiscuit. That's the StarCraft channel, and Cynical Brit is the main channel that we do. Outside of that, of course, if you do want to back that Kickstarter, that would be very much appreciated. Like I said, link is in the description below this video, and I've also popped it in the chat room if you happen to be watching the stream. It'll be the show next week, and then we're heading off to DragonCon. I believe I'm leaving on Thursday the 3rd, and we should be live-streaming our co-optional podcast at the weekend. I'll put up more information on that. We still think we're in that very small room, so if you are coming to DragonCon, just bear in mind that if you do not get to that panel room early, it is highly likely that you will not be able to get in, because we're told the capacity is very, very small. 
So we will be streaming it live and we will also be getting the VOD for my YouTube channel. That's going to be on Saturday, September the 5th at 7 p.m. And according to the DragonCon schedule, we're currently in Hilton room 203. Keep an eye on my Twitter just in case they give us a different room. Uh, then we will try and let you know. But otherwise, as I say, you'll need to get there early to avoid disappointment. We'll try and sign as much as we can and all that kind of thing as long as we're not a fire hazard, which is... There has been known to happen from time to time, so just just bear that one in mind. Uh, also, if you do happen to be there, I'm actually on a panel called Crowdfunding and Making Money Online with Your Content at 2.30 on Friday, September the 4th, also in Hilton, room 203. Don't believe we have a list of who else is on that yet. I hope it's somebody other than just me, but I'm going to be there. So if you do wish to show up to that, by all means. That should also be streamed live. I'll post details closer to the time. I think that's about it. We haven't forgotten anything? Don't think so? No? Great. Lovely. Thank you to Yay. our sponsor, Crunchyroll.com slash TotalBiscuit for your free trial for all the anime you could possibly desire and possibly more that you do not. It is there. It is available. We have been the Co-Optional Podcast. Thank you very much for watching and we will see you next time. Good night. <laughs>